The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Kansas City Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Protecting that podcast on my YouTube channel, Dan Tom MMA. I keep saying Daniel Tom, but I forgot to actually change the URL, so it's pretty much Dan Tom MMA across the board, maybe some underscores on Instagram, but needless to say, we are here to break down. We're going to recap UFC 287 first. Of course, check the timestamps, and we'll be breaking down UFC on ESPN 44, USPN, UFC Kansas City, uh, you know, hashtag as far as that goes, UFC Fight Night. Um, who the fuck is fighting? Uh, that's a great sign. Holloway versus Allen, sorry. Head is everywhere. We're, we're, we're hitting the ground rolling. Uh, Kicking off a little late. Appreciate you guys being here. At least got some stuff uh, for you guys. Nice to see the usual people in the house. My boys. Chronic combat conversations. Leaning Holloway. All right. Jacoby as strong as plays. All right. May have some interesting uh, takes on some of those fights for you. We'll see. Um, bet on one of those fights. Uh you know, well, if you're following me on the Action Network app, of course, I post those throughout the week if you don't want to wait for me here. Um, I have been better about grabbing earlier lines, not crazy early lines, not good lines. I'm not a CLV guy. No, not here. In fact, some of the lines I'll be advertising as per usual. I may have gotten a better line in another house, but if I'm on it in two spots, I always tend to give you the more realistic one. I'm secure with the size of my number, okay? Um, and of course, for those who complain, I, I always got to say at the top, and I, maybe I'm not saying it as much, but maybe I've gotten some new listeners. So I appreciate the new listeners, but it's funny when people, you know, uh, uh, you know, either accuse me of not giving context, which people said with the Southpaw Report. I'm like, folks, there's only like 140 characters. And I'm like, Mr. Fucking Context to the point where it drives most of y'all away. Uh, in fact, I had some uh, comments uh, on my breakdown with Luca Fury for last week's and saying, like, we, I don't know if it was about interviews or whatever, but it was something that actually was relevant to um, to the fight, uh, to, to breaking down fights uh, and, uh, and relevant to the topics at hand, relevant to pretty much everything. And I found it funny that people were complaining about that. Again, timestamps, got flies in here. Uh, timestamps, don't left the door open too long. Uh, Timestamps, of course, uh, are embedded, not right now, live, but of course you check the show notes on Apple Podcasts. I could use some five-star ratings and reviews there. Uh, I had a, actually, you know, had a, had some one-star, not, not too much, but I had a five-star, so I, I was grateful for that, but they also kind of complained about, like, time and complaining and this and that, so I'm like, I I don't know, it's like, it's like going to the Bill Burr podcast and be like, you're too angry, don't get me wrong, sometimes Bill's too angry for me, I gotta, I gotta even like, okay, I can't do Bill right now, right? And, spoiler alert, something I say all the time, I can't stand my voice either, which is why, back to the timestamps, I provide those for you guys in the first place, because, spoiler alert, newsflash, I don't like listening to myself either. I can't fucking stand it. I agree. I talk too much, which is why, again, we stay in a format for over half a decade now, nearing, you know, this this is episode 354. We're probably nearing show 400 if I counted all the extras, which I don't, again. Not trying to buff my numbers in any sort of way in my career, for what it's worth. It definitely 
fucking hurts me more than it helps me, so I don't know why I'm bragging. But yes, uh, of course, as per usual, we always recap, start with some shouts. Listener questions are integrated now, which I'm trying to be a little bit tighter on while still giving you guys love, because I appreciate you being here, hitting that like button, hitting the subscribe button to join the chat. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you guys can fast forward ahead because, uh, I will mark when I start the breakdowns that I do from top to bottom to even format upon layered format upon layered format for y'all, uh, for Christ's sakes here. Um, and then something that most podcasts don't do and probably purposely so some lazy cause I, I, I respect that. Uh, but, uh, you know, some purposely so cause they're better marketers than me. They want to get your engagement, the, the, the engagement on the videos and all that stuff. I shoot myself in the own foot. Not only do I shit on myself and agree with my critics, I offer you guys, like, I, I recap everything, the picks and the plays at the very end of the episode, so you can just, like, skip it, not give me that engagement credit or extra engagement credit, and you are on your merry way. Let me get my at uh, Dan Tom MMA on the board here. Um, but, yeah, uh, so just to remind those people who complain about time, um, those those things do exist and I'll do my best to uh, I don't know man like don't get me wrong like uh, I, I, I don't like I'd rather be positive Mr. Positive Guy or this or that but at the same time I think people come to this podcast at this point <laughs> I can't imagine why because uh, for whatever reason you know they appreciate somebody being real and, 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 and being accountable and transparent whether it's their record on their picks their plays right always showing those things uh or just, you know, just, just just how I feel about something. Again, I'm not trying to inject any of my personal politics uh, or personal biases. Do my personal biases get injected? Absolutely. It's my show. I'm talking. It's human nature, something I talk about all the time. Uh, but it's not my prerogative to make you guys feel a certain way. We're here to talk about fights. We're here to have fun. I'm here to be me. I'm doing the best I can to trim the fat. I will continue to do so because, again, a lot of the criticisms are valid. But if you want to help out your boy to make this long-winded thing to a rant to an end, please, you can help me with some with some much-needed five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes. The likes here, the shares, it's all good. All right, let's get this party started. At Dan Tom MMA is on there. Who else we got? We got James Kendrick in the house. What's up, James? Um, I'm going to... Uh, have to go back to your questions. I don't want to get too sidetracked. I will try to get back to these at the top. Uh, Ghost Phantom in the house. What's going on? Hey, Dan, I have to ask what your thoughts, MMA fans, and some of the boys in the chat, um, like me, uh, that don't bet but still love your show. It's weird since we don't gamble but love it. No, no, I appreciate that. It's kind of on the contrary to what I'm saying. Like, you know, I shouldn't listen to the criticism because I get way more compliments than criticisms. And in defense of the criticisms, like my man uh, Ghost Phantom here, like, Maybe I'm doing something right if people that don't even gamble um, can still appreciate and see the relevancy. So if you're coming for the picks and plays and you still can't see the relevancy or appreciate having like guys who've been doing it like me or even longer than me, like Luca coming on the show and me trying to actually bring other people and other perspectives of people who have found success in this space to share with you, and I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you, Ghost Phantom. Rain Lamina in the house. Rain Lamina. Dan Tom, no clever pun this week. Thanks, I don't want to get canceled. Uh, Rain says, let's get this show rolling and root for all dance plays, even if I don't agree with it. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Uh, you, again, you guys never have to agree with me, and, and we can all root for each other regardless. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I have a losing night, I have a lot of friends in the space that have a winning night. You know what I'm saying? So I could be happy for them. I could be happy for my listeners. I could be happy for my fellow podcasters, which is not necessarily a thing in this space, but why can't we do that, right? 
There you go. Mark Fellows in the house. Always a positive guy. All right, let's cleanse the colons. Whoa, 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 fresh fruit and veggie juice all day. Wow, bringing the energy today, Mark. I appreciate that. Left field, but I appreciate that. Crumbopolis Rosen in the house. Uh, I don't have Twitter, uh, but I do look up the Southpaw Report. Always great since there are a few Southpaws in the world in all combat sports. I appreciate that you appreciate that, yeah. Somebody uh, commented on the Southpaw Report saying I didn't uh, give enough context. I don't want to leave my man James Kendrick out. Um, let me see this. Uh, can you, part one, can you tell me question if I left SPMA was rude or disrespectful? I love the guys at South China Morning Post. Shouts to them, JHK. He says, why do you guys forget takes or change your opinions on things in general? Um, I was told I was trolling. Um, I don't know the context again, but again, I will say in defense of not them or, or uh, not that I wouldn't defend those guys. That they're very nice guys in my experience. But again, myself, I say wrong. I say stupid things all the time, folks. It's I'm not, definitely not going to defend the Brendan Schaubs of the world. But to a point, if you are on and having to talk about something, you will say dumb things. I particularly say it when I do the typical media stuff that perhaps you were referring or commented on James Kendrick where you have round tables. I love doing the spinning back, back, back click, love chopping it up with my boys and girls at MMA Junkie, of course, but it's in those shows just like it was on MMA Junkie Radio where, I, you know, for a guy who says stupid stuff, the stupider stuff, I guess, if that is even correct of me to say, you guys get what I'm saying here, um, were said on those platforms and something from media to I'm using politics as an example, not trying to get political uh, or anything. Um, all you got to do is, like, stab near the area and you're accused of it. Although, like, 90% of the MMA fighters will, like, just, like, shout, shout, polit you know, right-wing politics all day and it's all it's all good. I'm not trying to go left. I think they're all, all sides are, are crazy. I'm not trying to go any way here, folks. I'm just saying you see it in politics, too, where they'll you say it to a politician where you change and you waffled on this and that. And th there's a lot of context and point to that and not defending politicians. But... When you're in a public opinion, you might not have the best uh, knowledge and education. And I think as human beings, regardless if you're in the public eye, um, we change. How many of us have had opinions as a 20-year-old that differ to now when we were 30 or now when we were 40, um, have children, uh, so on and so forth? So we got to leave room for that, man. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend people out there spreading hate or like uh, bullcrap like that, outright misinfo, uh, knowing misinfo. I'm, I'm not defending that. But in general... Let's have some forgiveness, man. There's enough torching each other, you know, uh, online in general. So let's let's roll on. I will get to the rest of you guys as we go. I'm going to tweet this out, even though I don't think I need to because it should be uh, going live on Twitter as I check here. I am my one-man producer here, so apologies uh, as we will, uh, we will get going. Um, there we go. Live now. Breaking down. Hashtag UFC Kansas City. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Um, got some takes. Uh, we'll do a recap, of course, of the action. Try not to beat talking points to death. Um, I don't think there's too much to really beat to death, at least for me. Maybe make a few jokes here and there. Try to make it somewhat entertaining, and we'll be on our way, huh? All right. Feel free to join. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just post those. That's a good thing. It's got that auto post. I guess I don't really necessarily have to link to my YouTube. I think everything through Twitter um, will come through if you ask a question through there. So, all right. Um, 
and have a sip of coffee before I sip. Uh, it's getting late, so I really need to be cutting this off, and I'm going to switch to something else, which is in the shout, of course. The TombRickTonic.com. Shout out to my guy, D-Love. Sent me this care package the other week, and it's really getting me through. Just started working out again, so I'm like super sore. Um, and I uh, got another workout with uh, uh, an Alta team member tomorrow. So I uh, want to make sure I got the inflammation down. Been eating pretty good this week. Um, trying to get the weight back down. Hawaii next week. And um, yeah, so uh, when I get back, I'll probably order some more. And if you would like to order some, go to the turmeric, T-U-R, the silent R there, T-U-R-M-E-R. I see. I almost went ICA. America. <laughs> um, yeah, it is made in America like, uh, for whatever that's worth. So if you want to, you know, order, you know, I, I think you probably got to stay local. By the way, don't don't make my man send it to like across the world. Apologies to those of you who live across the world. Looking at you, Mark fellows. Mm. Really good stuff. Of course, use code uh, code protect fifteen for fifteen percent off. Mm. All righty. Um. Just shouts to everybody just being uh, uh, being awesome out there. Oh, also shouts to uh, Chad Dundas, by the way, reached out, uh, did the uh, co-main event podcast. It's funny, man. Sometimes I get so overloaded and I, I got to like not answer my DMs on like Instagram, for example, is one I'll, I'll kind of like ignore for like a whole week. I apologize. Anybody in my DMs on Instagram, you know I love you all. Um, apologies if I'm late to getting back to you on any DMs in general. Uh, it just gets it just gets uh it just gets really crazy out there and, and um, I'm sorry getting some more messages in here and uh, and whatnot and uh, and yeah like uh, I'm like sometimes I'm tempted to like just shut the DMs off but I'm like I know once I do that I'll actually get like you know uh, a DM from like I don't want to say you know someone important or anything because it's like what what well, who deems what important or whatever but let's just say like a uh, uh, you know I me. Mean? I'm grateful to go on, uh, on on anybody's shows and this and that. Um, but like, uh, you know, if someone put a gun in my head and was like, either what's your top three podcasts or what the, what are the top three podcasts in the space, and if one of those selections fit both of those, um, that's pretty cool, right? And and so so that was definitely bucket list. You know, like uh, it's crazy to be on podcasts that are on your rotation. You know, like uh, it was just I remember it was surreal to me. I remember like I think 2016 or something, 2017. I think I did a Frank Mears podcast, Phone Booth Fighting, which I actually mentioned on Chad's uh, Chad's show. Uh, was relevant to something we were talking about. And it was just even just then it was just like wow I'm on podcast like UFC fighter right now like I'm a guest why is my guest name showing you know so I I still get that way because again I I try to keep that 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 same energy and, and realize how grateful I am to be here so uh, I'm very grateful to keep with that word there and that messaging uh, for Chad inviting me on and for those of you who uh, messaged me and let me know you enjoyed it whether you were already following me or are a new follower appreciate you um, I know it's a little frantic start here but we're gonna get underway. Uh, time in 14 minutes, well, close to 15 minutes, and we're going to start our recap. UFC 287, we went 5 and 7 overall in picks. 0 oh, and 3, we went 0 oh for, by the way, we just got washed, right? Um, technically, three events, losing events in a row, if we count the less than half unit PFL event, uh, or less than half unit Bellator event, and two unit uh, PFL event that went down on that non UFC event weekend. I still went on my record. You know me again. I account for everything. No shying away from losses. So 
Good thing about going on crazy losing streaks and getting your ass kicked despite still, you know, ending up somewhat in the positive in 2021. Um, and, you know, in the uh, top 10 in master, so on and so forth, I believe. So I, I still did pretty good despite how hard I was on myself and starting as brutally as I did. It gets you nice and calloused up to where, like, I almost don't feel these losses as hard as I, as I was because I just got beat down so hard. Um, and, again, it's another reason why I try to keep that same energy, not just because, you know, We'll talk about, you know, uh, something I always say. I'm not just saying it because of this weekend, folks. It's something I always say in the podcast. I will take a sore loser than a sore winner any day. You know, uh, you try to lose with class, of course, but definitely, definitely win with some class. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. Um, I'm not saying it needs to be you. Again, not trying to push my my personal feelings on you guys, not my prerogative. But, yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely how I feel. And uh, also part of that is just, you know, just I think as you get older, you, you, you realize you know, life, life, life ain't too, life ain't fair. Or you're in this space a lot, and you just see the swings. You know, both with uh, people who cover it, podcasts in the space, the fighters, the fans, um, a lot of tourists, right? Uh, very few real ones, right? Which is why shouts to my guys, gorgeous George and Goes, for hitting there. Uh, their, their their monumental mark. I mean, some of the longest dudes in this game. You'll be hard pressed to find people uh, who have done interviews as long as them. Um, but yeah, you just know how the swings go. We, of course, killed it at UFC San Antonio, which was the last Fight Night Live show. We returned to that. Maybe we'll get some of that juju here. But to be honest, more of my juju or positive you know, trends are usually toward pay-per-view cards. We have more proven products. Of course, again, I went 0 for 3 in straight plays. 0 for... Oh, and parlay? I guess I didn't have a parlay. Either everything was 0 for. 0 for in the, in the round robin didn't even hit 1 for 4, right? Uh, which, of course, means 0 for 1 in the long shot parlay. Um, it's funny. I, I I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I repeated it to myself at nauseum, um, which was, and and I hope I did, because it, it's, 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 a, it, it's poignant, and it's probably the main reason why um able to take it just a, another just just wash of a night was be, and, and it, it proves a point unfortunately it proves a point in a loss but not just you can't get too high because losses are right around the corner uh, which is why you know it's silly for both and you know irresponsible for both the content creators who act like they're they're the shit and you know uh you know uh, perhaps you know we, we've seen some in this space you know some try to go about it the right way i'm not talking about everybody trying to paint with a broad brush but we've seen people right do the wrong thing and take advantage of people and as well as the people not to you know blame the victim here, but yes, their responsibility too to uh, to realize that there's no such thing as 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 like crazy endless winning streaks or people who just can guarantee things. That's silly. Don't give your money to people who are going to guarantee you things. You know, make sure they have long proven records and proven reputations, so on and so forth, before you even consider making those kind of decisions. Um, and uh, you know, and despite not charging you guys I try to hold myself to a similar standard as if I were um, charging you guys but no what I, the point that I, I said to myself at nauseum last week was that with my bets I felt pretty good about my bets I, 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 I said and I said this to myself that I know I could get reverse sweeped <laughs> oh boy did I right um, but I said even if that happens I won't feel too bad which is why I'm keeping that same energy now because I said to myself I won't feel too bad because you know what? Aside from just being on plus money on MMA, which is that's the only argument you need right there. Say no more. If you're betting for fun, ultimately we should be betting for fun, right? Both responsibly, both ethically. Even if you're betting seriously, I hope you're at least having fun doing this stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, you know, being on the plus money is fine. But you know, looking at the things you can, um, 
you know, justify, you know, uh, Pereira, uh, sitting champ at plus money. Everybody says that's disrespectful no matter the context. This context was the guy was 3-0. and Was that the complete context? Did I score the first fight for Adesanya? Yes, I did. I'm not trying to uh, reverse that narrative now. No, no, no. But just saying, I mean, who needs to argue more there? 3-0 and against someone? You're going to put plus money odds? You know, that was me blind betting uh, Rory McDonald opposite, uh, or Robbie Lawler opposite Rory McDonald in the fight that recently got inducted. Of course, their second meeting, you know, I said, it's going to be a competitive fight, but are you really going to just keep disrespecting the veteran and make him the underdog even when he already beat this guy? You know, and that's not the case every time. And sure, I might have just cherry picked that one with its recent announcement, but the point still stands, right? Um, there's that. Didn't go the way. Totally fine. We'll, we'll talk about that fight uh, here in a second. Um, what was the other play? Sorry. We had a. Uh, um, we had uh, Burns inside the distance, which, uh, you know, again, Masvidal, if anybody defends Masvidal being, uh, it wasn't me overlooking Masvidal. If anybody's defended Masvidal for like his entire career or specifically his grappling defense, it's been me. But for the reasons I explained to you guys, round three was going to be a hot round and that it was. And again, whether you want to uh, look into Gilbert Burns' greasing accusations, which he respectfully in all class took back and just took on the chin because he didn't have the proof, um, despite, you know, it's nothing new, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's true or not, I I, I wouldn't hold it again. It's it's what it is, right? It's like steroids. Like I'm gonna pretend that you know only a select few have ever done those things. Oh, like come on now. Um, and uh, and again, even people who like picked Masvidal, bet didn't bet, uh, were like felt like Burns could have finished that at any time, you know, and a lot of times throughout that fight, and definitely felt like he could have pressed harder, and uh, so on and so forth and whatnot. So. And that's all you, you know, and he still came close uh, despite that. and still came very close in round three. The analysis showed up for round three. We just didn't get it. That's how the game goes. It's no crazy cry of, of foul or robbery, even if there were potential fouls. Again, like I just said, I'm keeping that same energy. I don't care. Um, but, uh, you know, shot and a miss. Uh, what was the other shot here? We had uh, GM3. And, again, you know, look stupid there, right? GM3. Um, Joe Pfeiffer. But, again, I, I said if he was going to lose this bet, um, I was okay with it, and I'm going to keep that same energy because when they pay off, like we saw with you know the Tucker Lutz and Daniel Pineda and all the many other times I've been on the right side of those, it's fine. I'll take those any day. They're going to keep giving overinflated, unproven guys that. You know what I'm saying? It's just unfortunate because, again, by the way, Joe Pfeiffer, I actually think he, he actually could be pretty decent. Um, it's not even think that I, I, he's a Raul Rosas or anything like that and not trying to unfairly shit on Raul Rosas, who we'll get to here in a second. But it is kind of like one of those things where it's like uh, he was going to win in the first round, and we still haven't seen him in the third round. We still didn't learn anything about the performance. And it's not me crying over spilt milk for anybody saying, oh, he's crying and complaining. Like, I as an analyst, and literally almost everybody I know as an analyst, both tweet or on their podcast say the same thing. Whether we like, pick, or bet, it doesn't matter. When a fight ends early, we... That's that's our job. We're fucking hipster fucks. All right, we're analysts. Like, like uh, we're trying to learn something about these fighters, win, lose, or draw. Right? Uh, we're trying to gather more information. When we don't learn anything, it just sucks. It doesn't suck just because you know, oh, you know, GM three is a good dude. I like GM three. I bet GM three. It's like no, we didn't really get to learn anything. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and you know, and and Dana will do that. If you don't know now, you know. But then you know, uh, when Raul Rosas Jr. you know loses. Um, whether it's, you know, 
the Dana White side of it or the fan side going to shit on people, they don't keep that same energy, you know, and I'm not trying to shit on an 18-year-old kid, like I said last week, I mean, who knows the stuff I would have been saying, like, I, I get it, I just don't relate to this, like, Fortnite generation, even though I made the joke, like, you know, in, in regards to Izzy and people's reaction, like, it's definitely not my thing, right? But at the same time, am I going to sit there and pretend like I never teabagged dudes playing Rainbow Six back in the day? To be honest, it was more Counter-Strike. I would do the tag thing. Like, I get it. You know, that same person keeps killing you over and over again. And maybe they're not even being a dick about it, right? Like, maybe they actually aren't even talking shit about you, and you'll still get worked up. You're like, where's that motherfucker? You'll get killed. You'll, you'll look immediately at the name and see who did it. You're like, oh, that person again. Like, they have your number, like... I get all that, man. Like, I, I, I get it. Uh, so I'm not hating on it. I'm not saying you need to hate on it or have the same morals or principles as me. Like, no, it's just what I'm not into. And it's, it doesn't make me wrong or them wrong. It's we're just different things, man. I'm getting older. I'm a different generation. You know, I don't look at folks, but I'm a different generation. But yeah, in regards to keeping the same energy, the Rosas thing and the Piper thing are the same things. Again, I actually think Piper has a, you know... Uh, has a more relevant ceiling. We'll see. Raul Rosas has, has still plenty of time to, to, to go and improve. Um, what I'm trying to say is I don't even think Piper's bad or I'm not even throwing like shade or accusations toward him. What I am saying is it's the same thing. It's two unproven dudes um, against more proven products. And Christian Rodriguez, shout outs to C-Rod, by the way, for that. And anybody who was on him, props to you. Um, he doesn't even have a crazy amount of experience, much less a crazy amount of experience juxtaposed to Rodriguez, which Mearshart had to Pfeiffer. So, again, losing bad is losing bad. Not trying to uh, say it's not. But, again, as far as what I, uh, the messaging I told myself before, like, I could lose all these bets. And you know what? It's fine, you know. Uh, shout out to Johnny the Greek. Bad bets cash all the time, right? And and, and, and that's what it is, you know. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people laying chalk they shouldn't be laying, much less laying multiple units on chalk they shouldn't be laying. I might be that guy this week, folks. I'm not above it. Like, I always come come clean to. But I'm just saying, those probably hit on Saturday, right? Whereas, like, dog players and value players or whatever you want to, I, I want to call my style of playing, like, guess what? It's a volatile game. It doesn't matter what style you bring to the table. Styles make fights. You're going to get a different result in the night in the fight, and you're going to get a different result betting on the fight. Yo, I can't believe this guy just talked about a recap of fights when I'm here for bets. Um... Again, there's lessons to be taken from this. So even though I came up with the L, I definitely got to be open and, and reciprocative to lessons I can take away. But at the same time, I don't know. Does it make sense that I don't feel that bad for this one? I feel bad if you tailed me and lost. My, my apologies, even though I don't owe you apologies. You're, you're adults. You can do what you want with your money. But yeah, so uh, we had, of course, uh, Izzy uh, defeat uh, Poetan. Um, excellent stuff. Um, I, I thought Poetan edged the first round, but it really doesn't matter how it was scored. And of course... I may or may not have had rose-colored, green-colored glasses or whatever you want to call it, right? My bias, my bet was with uh, Poetan. Um, but yeah, the right hand seemed to be a common culprit. It was kind of crazy because I keep I forgot before UFC 281 and I forgot before UFC 287 to bring up my notes that uh, Alex Beta seems to get caught toward the end of rounds. And I noticed that strictly watching his kickboxing before that round one scare, UFC 281 against Izzy, before... The round two, late round two, not as late, but still later in round two finish that we saw last Saturday. So I thought that was kind of funny. Like the one note I forgot to bring up, you know, not that it really mattered or you could have gotten predictive on it, but yeah, there was some relevance there. Um, and yeah, man, it was, uh, I did the uh, live brought, uh, the live commentary with Ant. So I missed the whole like kid taunt thing. Um, I saw the arrow thing, which was like, 
again, man, I'm not going to judge these guys too harshly. Just like I hate people judging people off a knockout and going, oh, I can't believe, uh, you know, Zhang Wei Li thought, uh, thought it shouldn't have been stopped or whoever. Like, dude, that's everybody. They just got knocked out. Cut them a break. And I also try to keep that same energy with the winners because you're riding so high. And even if you weren't petty, much less petty like an Adesanya petty, again, like with that video game analogy, like that's kind of human nature, even when the person doesn't really poke at you maliciously, you know? And I don't like this narrative change, and I appreciate Adesanya showing some self-awareness in the sense of, like, the narrative is, you know, which is very Last of Us uh, too, which I, I picked back up, folks, by the way. No spoilers, but I picked it back up and I'm playing. Um, as far as dual perspectives go, but I think people forget, like, they act like, you know, he was a bully because he's described as a bully with his style, like Pereira. But I'm like, Pereira's not a bully, man. Like, uh, he, um, you know, like, he was like, oh, kid had it coming. Or, or Izzy, much less other people, like, jumping in and saying, like, oh, his dad's not going to show him what's up. I will. And apparently the Alex Pereira's kid was like, uh, my dad told me, even like said, like my dad, I, I know he said he was going to do it again or whatever in some embedded video, but in that same video that everyone was pointing to, because you know, that, that I, I, I suppose just automatically means we can crucify a, a kid now. All right. Okay. That's your, that's your prerogative. That's your, that's your goal for today, folks. That's the priority here. Um, but yeah, like let's at least look in the same piece of evidence. He was saying his dad told him not to do it. And, uh, you know, it was Poetan, you know, that was doing his thing in kickboxing, and Izzy was the one who sparked it, right? Let's not forget that. Izzy was the one saying, and I get it, to put himself up, you know, when he was making that first title run slash just getting the title, he said something along the lines of, like, he's probably sitting, you know, on a bar stool somewhere, this or that, and this and that. And it's kind of, you know, I don't know if that was a purposeful dig to use that word bar stool, knowing that Alex Pereira is, is essentially like a straight-edge dude. Like, he used to have a drinking problem and was around that culture and really, like, put that messaging and did positive with his life and continues to be positive role models for not just his kids, many children, and not just children, the actual indigenous cultures and, uh, you know, favelas to poor communities that he actually gives back to, which, again, is another, you know, okay, maybe call me, you know, a super high moral dude or an old man or whatever, but, like, sorry, I, I appreciate when those people do well in life because they're gonna, that's where their money's gonna go. Um, but, like, to call him a bully, I was like, I don't know about that, man. Like, you, you're you the one that awoke the giant. That's probably why you were watching horror movies before UFC 281, because it felt like a horror movie. He was a demon from your past, and you, you opened the book, man. You you disturbed him, you know? And uh, he came and he got you, but you, you got the last word, and congrats to that. And I'm going to continue to try to take the positive, like you saw me in the live broadcast with Ant, where, um, again... Fizzy wants to do that to the kid. That's his prerogative. That's it's just, that's silly. I, I've commented on this before, folks. Remember with uh, uh, when he won the title, I was just like, he's like, you know, they're putting the belt on him. They're announcing his name, and he's like, this is a knockout out, and and then he's just like, who are you talking to, buddy? Like, just just enjoy your moment, enjoy it, you know. You know, like I said, Chad Dunn is like the end of Dust Till, you know, not the end of Dust Till Dawn. You know, it's like from Dust Till Dawn when Harvey Keitel's talking to Clooney. He's like, the FBI was looking for you. Did they find you? No. You've won, Seth. Enjoy it, you know, because he, 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 you know, he's trying to. He's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, it just feels like it's never good enough. And I, it's not any hate toward Adesanya. Like, I just want him to be able to enjoy it. And in his post fight, he talked about his happiness. So clearly, he's enjoying it. And if that's how he wants to enjoy it, by being petty, like he admittedly said he was. By the way, um, 
that that's weird. Like you you want to take it out on a kid. Uh, but but honestly, I'm I'm not getting up in arms about that. What what more kind of bummed me out was just like seeing everybody rush to defend that and jump in on it. You know. And it was just really weird. And it was, like, not even just, like, annoying fans or reply guys. It was, like, colleagues in the space, you know, people who are, like, quote-unquote, like, you know, uh, left-leaning uh, and will will, 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 will will bring awareness to causes that I also retweet and appreciate and, 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 and you know, and stand by, whether it's, you know... Um, anyone who's trans, anybody in the LGBTQ uh, community associated with it, um, you know, you know, pretty much any, I'm all down with that. I just found it was really ironic, but I'm like, oh, we're going to, it felt like what the people like on the right would, would post, and again, not to be politics, but it's just funny because again, it's just like uh, people on the right, you know, post to like, you know, when they post like the fake fucking bullshit to spark outrage right and we're like and unfortunately they do it and they drag fucking trans communities and a bunch of other communities with like with patently false and incorrect information when they do it and i know this is much more lighter hearted than that obviously folks but it is kind of ironic that it just i'm like oh yeah both sides suck because everybody just posts stuff to just tag at the other person meanwhile like whether it's kids whether it's trans whether it's gay whether it's you know those are the people that take the strays so I don't know. At a certain point, I was like, I just got to log off. Like, apparently, again, everything's got to be a culture war, one side or the other. God forbid we just try to be decent human beings. Um, that's what actually bothered me more. It wasn't even Izzy, man. Like, Izzy do whatever he wants, man. Like, he gets enough crap for how he celebrates. Izzy's going to get crap for how he celebrates. And again, people go, Gay Tom's crying about racism. Like, I'm just saying the elephant in the room, y'all. Like, Izzy and, and any any black athlete's going to get a crap if they celebrate because there is an unfair bias uh, and stereotype um, where it's no matter what it's going to be construed as cocky or this or that and and so the, the, it's, a, it's a weird line you know but I think the, the biggest takeaway is for people getting triggered by that that I said that statement and the biggest takeaway is like two things can be true Izzy can be an amazing martial artist an inspiring martial artist and you including myself which I did and I'm going to continue to try to do can take inspiration from his opponent from his performance from overcoming his opponent that was some inspiring shit man that was amazing you know uh i haven't felt like this inspired since and again i, I criticized that one moment but honestly despite picking whitaker whitaker being one of my favorite fighters when he finished whitaker that first time and that dance outside of the out like, that was just amazing inspiring stuff like i, I you really got to go back to like golden era ufc golden era of my fandom to get me to feel that way and adesanya is one of the few fighters so there is no hatred or ill will but again Two things can be true. Can I feel that way? And can I also not be about taunting kids or like just being like, uh, you know, the uh, overly, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the Fortnite dance celebrations, you know, can I, can I, can I just not be about that? Like, I'm not saying it's wrong for him or for you. Am I allowed to not be about that? Cause that, that's how I feel. And I feel like people need to be reminded of, of these things. Like two things can both be true. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you cannot like Izzy for whatever reason, and there can be people that also are not going to like him because of his appearance. That's just the facts. It's unfortunate, but those are the facts, right? So, um, a lot of just weird fallout from that. I'm not. The last thing I'll say to try to end it on a positive note was uh, I did want to kind of just continue to try to make light of it, but uh, I wanted to make like an edit of like because uh, I was watching Max Holloway footage, and I was like, you know that mini blessed. He's been looking pretty cocky, you know. I think think someone needs to take him down a peg, you know. 
you know, let's see if uh, everybody out there that was on my timeline saying, you know, these kids, fuck them kids, man, making that joke because that's not played out. You know, let's see if everybody that makes that joke is uh, going to keep that same energy and, 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 and with uh, Mini Bless. I know Mini Bless obviously didn't taunt Adesanya when he was knocked out when he was six years old. You know, six years old is enough to get you a death sentence with a middleweight champ. Mini Bless got to be at least six by now, right? I don't know, but I wanted to make like a video of like um, Mini Bless like dancing cage side. And then it cuts to Adesanya, like, before the fifth round of Gastelum, where he's just, like, it's talking to himself and almost looks like he's shaking his head like you motherfucker. You know, and the camera's zooming in. <laughs> like, and I just want to take, like, different edits of that. And then it shows, like, Mini Bless, like, dancing and being happy. And, like, you know, and then it cuts back to Adesanya. Oh, you motherfucker. Just zooming in on his face like you motherfucker. <laughs> and I was going to post, like, Adesanya scouting out his next opponent this weekend. And everybody talking about who's next for Adesanya. We we know who's next. Many bless. Let's let's keep let's keep that same energy. Um, so that's all I'll, I'll say about that. I talked way too much about that. Burns defeated Masvidal. Font defeated Yanez. Was really happy to be wrong about this one for the pick. I honestly didn't even want to put Yanez by KO in a round robin. But like I said uh, on Twitter, uh, the house that I play out limit my stuff. So I, I had to kind of like shuffle, and I couldn't do a lot of the stuff I wanted to do. And Yanez by KO was one of the reserve options. Uh, not that it matters because nothing hit. And I was really happy for Fawn and his team, New England Cartel, to be honest. Uh, Kevin Holland defeated Santiago Ponzinibbio. I didn't watch too much of that, but it sounded like Holland could have been accused with playing with his food. Um, and then got the third round finish. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I stayed away either way. Uh, Christian Rodriguez defeated Raul Rosas Jr. I was disappointed in this one because I'll admit, um, I, I put this one off. And... Uh, I actually ended up did not uh, watching thorough tape on it. I just ended up going off of my past notes because I did have past notes and write-ups on both men. Um, but, uh, you know, part of me was just like, you know, I'm running by on my Friday. I, I, I just, you know, these, these pay-per-view weeks, they literally take up every inch of my time and being, and I only have this like little window that I'm, I'm also sharing with like the last of my write-ups, whether it's a prop squad or my main card picks article, which are usually the two last things to be written and completed. I was like, do I spend time with my beautiful girlfriend who I don't get to see all week? Or do I spend more time watching this fight after, you know, Christian Rodriguez at this point of the day, he'd already missed weight. It already seems like a setup shot. Um, and again, I put reluctantly, it's going to go to decision. It's going to be much more competitive. So, I mean, I wasn't necessarily wrong. I wasn't telling anybody to go bet it. That's for damn sure. So I shouldn't have really misled you too badly there. But that being said... Again, you guys saw how passionate I was in these contender series spots to or the, these veteran spots. And again, Christian Rodriguez, not the biggest veteran, but it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. So again, I will gladly take these shots. And even though I was on the wrong side, doesn't mean I can't be happy for Christian Rodriguez and those of you who are on the right side. Kelvin Gastelum defeated Chris Curtis. Of course, took the dog shot on Chris Curtis. It was going to be a competitive fight, and I had the dog money side. And again, bias, stylistic matchup breakdown, all that aside... I could have justified my shot because it was the original favorite at a minus 170, mind you. And he got flipped all the way to dog odds. Boom, you don't need any reasoning. Just play the dog at that point. Uh, so I had all the justification in the world, but I also can't be mad because this one I definitely called on this podcast and ahead of time that I was setting myself up for some classic Dan Tom failure, both with, you know, judges not appreciating bodywork encounters, hence the 30-27 from the local judge. Um, and the fact that you had a little bit of the classic bad luck optics to a guy who already had an uphill battle with optics being Chris Curtis, being the fact that he shoulder rolls, counters, and God forbid, works the body. Um, 
So I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, again, even live, I, despite my biases, I still thought the judges were going to go 29-28. Um, so uh, the veteran judges, I forget who it was, but one of them was Derek Cleary, who I owe an apology to. He's taken some strays from me in the past because I've quietly seen him, uh, you know, because uh, he's in the majority. So he's a, he, he is a high-level judge and deserves that distinction because he's in the majority uh, for the most part. And even in these decisions, whether it was uh, that Bellator fight, what was it, the... Uh, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov um, versus Tofik, and uh, this fight, you know, he's still siding with the uh, the bodywork uh, countering guys. In uh, you know, he's not he's not completely disregarding that. So I wanted to everybody take shots at these judges publicly. So I wanted to like make sure I like you know I don't tag anybody because I don't like to tag the fighters. I don't like to tag people, but did put the full name in there uh, because you know uh, for all the shots we love to take, we got to keep that same energy when we're wrong. So I got to raise my hand there. And we'll take also uh, the bet on the chin. Uh, losing that, Luana Pinheiro defeated Michelle Waterson Gomez. Uh, didn't watch it. Glad I stayed away from Waterson, I guess. Not saying, uh, try to make you feel bad if you took that dog shot. You were you were in the just to take it, right? Um, Joe Pfeiffer defeated Gerald Mearshart. We talked about that one. Lapita Godinez defeated Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, didn't watch that one too close. Don't have a strong opinion. Neither do I on uh, Ignacio Bahamundes, Bahamundes or... Uh, Steve Garcia, Shailan Nerdembeke. Good on Steve Garcia, by the way. Body shot. And Sam Hughes, I did catch this one versus uh, Jacqueline Amora. Wish I played Sam Hughes. Glad I picked her. Got some tout master points. And shouts to Safe Sayud and the team. Good messaging as usual, man. Love performances like that. Again, the veteran, the person that has to survive the storm, overcoming it. You know I'm all about those. How did we do on time? 40 minutes in. Okay, 40 minutes, 39 all right, I'm going to do a chat cleanup here, and then we will um, move on to the breakdown. Rain Lamina, this is why I love your show, Dan. We can disagree, but we can still encourage each other. That's right. Not enough people keep that same energy. Uh, Dan Hamilton, I'll root for you unless I bet the other side. Hey, I appreciate your honesty, sir. Uh, Jint Karasu, Dan, with a slick haircut. Thank you. Uh, trimmed it a little bit, but I'm going to give it the full haircut, hopefully, this Sunday, 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 um, before I uh, go to Hawaii on Tuesday. It's like my travel day, like most of uh, the media. Um, uh, Krendas Schild, new name I haven't seen. Uh, I don't want to be that guy, but Kansas City is known to have bad judges. I have followed Invicta closely, and some of the decisions are bad by the commission judges. I know. I don't know if that makes me more apt to take certain shots that I'm thinking about taking or less, um, but we will see. That is something to to watch out for. They will not be adopting open scoring. It is not that Kansas City's Kansas City, Missouri, but um, I'm, a, I'm assuming, to Kendras's point, uh, the Kansas City, Missouri, Invicta shows is what that person is referring to. Zaccio, do you think MMA media members from big publications have favoritism in the way they cover fighters? I think we all have favoritism in the way we cover fighters, big or small. It's called human bias. There are reasons, uh, not saying they're just reasons, you shouldn't, you need to do always do your best to acknowledge and put them aside, as I always try to do on this show. Um, but yeah, yeah, there are many reasons, you know, um, which makes you know any kind of extreme couture fighters always hard for me to to do for you guys, and I do my best. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, do you have third-party tracking? Yes, I do. 
Again, the Action Network, search Daniel Tom, the Action Network app tracking. Uh, I'm borderline on going back into the red this weekend, and I ended up probably betting more, and I will end up betting more than I intended to. So we'll see how that goes on a volatile card. But again, you can have all the good reasonings, the plus number, the analysis, and still go over like last card. And who knows, maybe I could end up, spoiler alert, laying some chalk, which I don't usually do and I don't like doing. I don't feel comfortable as I'm talking to you doing, but I'll give you the reasonings for doing so. And perhaps... I will be successful. Who knows? Again, bad bets cash all the time. I don't think these are bad bets. I think there's justification for them, but I don't like justifying chalk. It's much easier to justify a plus number. Alvin Yakatori, speaking of positivity, good evening, Dan. I wish everyone on this show to have a wonderful time. You're the man. He says, and I hope that the fighters give great performances and are not injured uh, for this UFC card. I hope so too, man. Injuries suck um ghost phantom i agree dan quick fights don't teach us about anything about their habits uh makato Goku. i never asked about this before but is adesanya being petty mocking beta's kid his way of enjoying his win i'm guessing so and that that's that's him man that's i, I i'm just gonna leave it at that but uh they they add we all celebrate in different ways and it's okay not to like it right i think it's okay not to like it apparently it's not apparently it has to be one way or the other like everything in, in life, we have to make everything a, a like a culture war, which is fun. Yay. Um, Rain Lamina, you don't owe anybody apologies for telling you. We are grown adults here. I think fighters fight for themselves and analysts make wrong calls all the time. It happens. Absolutely true on all fronts. All right, we're going to kind of push on. I apologize for those of you guys. Uh... <laughs> Mark felt Izzy just tweeted he's going to drag Holloway's carcass all over Hawaii. <laughs> His kid or Holloway? His kid makes more sense. <laughs> Last one, Ghost Phantom. It would be hilarious if Third Rikus gets a title shot just to see how bad 185 is. Yeah, that that would be ironic that that's who Dana brings to um, Africa. Although, thank goodness uh, we got a real African champ that is out of Sanya who got a letter of recognition from uh, the country of Nigeria officially. So any of that uh, non-African crap, uh, the haters can can. All right, we're going to move on to... UFC 287, UFC Holloway versus Allen, UFC, not UFC 287, UFC Kansas City, UFC on ESPN 44, UFC Holloway versus Allen at 45 minutes in. All right. Uh, yeah. Max Holloway minus 185, Arnold Allen plus 150. All righty. <laughs> What's up, Leah? What's up, Joy Oplata? Uh, what that, when does that say, oh, episode going to uh, get on again? Sorry, I'm answering people through Twitter now. Um, yeah, uh, basically, uh, my in-depth should be up at MMA Junkie. Should, it would have been up today, but my email's been doing like crazy stuff now. It's like, I don't know what's going on because I'm late at night. Like, I sent my co-main event breakdown just fine, and it wasn't even that late when I sent this one, but, like, my shit is just glitchy. It's probably because... Uh, I haven't fully switched over to Gmail. I still have some Yahoo Mail accounts that might be messing with me. Um, I know. Boomer. Uh, <laughs> so. And some more turmeric juice here. Um, so, yeah. Um, that should be up. But uh, my, my Southpaw report certainly pissed people off. Because uh, the 0 and 3. Even though I gave context and a, and a bit of a positive twist. I didn't just do the engagement thing. Where I, if I wanted to do the engagement thing, I would have just tweeted... Max Holloway is 0-3 against Southpaws. He faces Southpaw on this weekend. You know, that's divisive shit. Like, no, I didn't do that at all. Like, uh, I laid out the context. Um, 
And then, of course, people were like, you didn't lay out context, which is hilarious. Like, you're going to knock on my my door, my long-winded ass, and say, I don't lay enough context. Funny. Um, of course, again, I always lay out the context for these ones on here. And then people saying, like, oh, maybe it has to do with the fact that they're high-level strikers. Like, well, yeah, I would imagine you'd have to be a high-level something to beat a high-level fighter like Max Holloway, Okay. Um, you know, people are like, well, those fights are from forever ago. Why don't you add that context? So I'm like, well, because people should know that. And if you're smart enough, you can realize that, well, I'm simply showing you the record. I'm simply showing you the context for the stat. And furthermore, as my words lead you the way, I'm not expecting you to do this all on your own. <laughs> I show that, again, Max, as I talk about him being a builder, he even shows more of the building where, you know, against McGregor, uh, McGregor was actually using southpaw double attacks quite well at that point of his career, and Max starts trying to use it himself. He does the counter right hand, combines it with the kick, and then combines them both together and actually tags McGregor and, and gets him to touch the floor. Uh, I don't know if that counts as a knockdown in boxing if they put a glove on the floor or not, but um, but yeah, uh, was able to tag him there. Didn't mean nothing. Of course, he still lost the fight, but it shows that he can kind of take from it, and Further, further that, not only is showing older fights show context for their learning curve, like, okay, uh, his fights against, first fight against Poirier and that fight against McGregor are so long ago, but it's like, okay, he's still jab even in that first fight against Poirier, which I didn't include in there, um, even in that fight, he's still jabbing against a southpaw. It's like, that's relevant because it's showing that even early Max Holloway that got rushed to the UFC on short notice to fight Dustin Poirier... He's, over a decade ago, he's doing stuff that fighters of today, the advanced fighters of today still have trouble doing, which is realizing that they could jab southpaws. That's a big fucking deal when I go to these southpaw forts. Who is smart enough so they can jab southpaws, right? And maybe they're not doing it in their first fight, but I need to go back to see whether they're doing it or not. And even if they aren't doing it, or are they doing it in the next fight? Well, if they are, what does that mean? That shows progression, right? And if we're trying to prognosticate, see... How much can they really advance? You know, that's that is the point to any of the naysayers there going. Just like I said, with people saying, "Why would you look at other side your Pereira's kickboxing fights?" Like that was an easy one to answer. That one's even loaded with more relevant answers than one might assume. But in general, there is points to going back and looking back. There, there is a point to it if you have a purpose in mind, if you know what you were looking for. Right, and then we jump forward to his fight with Yair, who is not a part of that stat because he's not a dedicated southpaw, but he does fight a decent amount from southpaw. And you see Max Holloway doing the kind of double attacks things, the things I like from southpaw, um, or other Muay Thai fighters who switch stances, like Cheating Ninja Kawani will do. You know where they do the fake knee and they come up, then they come down with a strike. Right, you don't know if it's a front kick, you don't know if they're going to question mark kick it to the head, you don't know if they're going to body kick, you don't know if they're just going to step through in a left hand, or if you're doing it from an orthodox stance. Right, because the same thing can work reversed, right? If you from open stance pairings, um, Holloway does that too. That's that's his move, and you see him do it in the clips that I collected. Do that to Yair really well. That was a big theme, the double attack theme. Um, Arnold Allen doesn't do it as much. We saw him do it a bit in the second round of Sadiq Yusuf fight, but he actually doesn't do it a lot outside of that fight. Um, he only sprinkles it in kind of here and there, and it's only been toward the later parts of his career. He's still young. Can he do it more? Yes, would it behoove him to do it more? I believe so. Not, you know, I'm not counting on him. I don't even think Arnold Allen Betters should be counting on him to knock out Max Holloway per se. Max Holloway is stupid, durable, 
right? Not everything can last forever, but yes, from what we know, that the man is stupid durable. Um, but yeah, I think that would be would be key, and I think that's going to be a big dynamic for this fight. People always ask about Anthony Pettis on these South Bottle reports whenever Anthony Pettis is part of a resume. I don't know how many times I need to say it. Anthony Pettis is probably the name that comes up with the most, and folks, um, outside of the highlights that you see, he actually primarily fights from orthodox when you actually go back to look at the tape. In fact, there's a reason why he's boxing from orthodox because his counter crosses from orthodox were quietly a big part of his successful offense in both victories as well as defeats. I think dropping RDA in round four, I believe, right? Uh, even in a title losing defeat. Um, it's something that nobody ever mentions. I don't know why. And for that reason, he does not make the South Paul report, right? Um, unless, uh, you know, I'm highlighting one of the fighters that he specifically finished from Southpaw, which has not happened yet. So that that's the Southpaw report for that one. Um, does it mean anything? Maybe not. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking against it. Spoiler alert, the only time I've ever picked against Holloway was his last two fights against Volkanovski. Uh, I picked him to beat Volk the first time. Uh, after that, I picked Volkanovski each time. Outside of that, I've never picked against Holloway. And uh, that trend will continue here. I am going to pick him. I think he is. I think those left hands and those counters can really, uh, can really find him, you know, and we'll we'll give him some trouble. But if he can navigate that, um, I think that Holloway can pull away down the stretch. I know, crazy Holloway pull down the stretch. I also say that not just because Holloway's a builder, but Allen, he's actually quietly slowed in a lot of his third rounds. Now, apparently. I didn't know this, and I definitely don't want to take away anything from my guy, Mads Brunel, who I picked to upset him and was looking good. Um, and I do believe that Brunel does deserve credit for that fight. Uh, but that's the only fight that I know that, like, Arnold Allen had, because he was just asked this question, so this is coming from the horse's mouth, where he was, like, legitimately compromised. He said he had a lung infection or something. Um, so he looked tired in that fight, but he was still able to get the finish. And he was able to get the finish, I guess, dealing with something. So not take away anything from my guy, Mads. But props to him, right? That being said, like, he slowed down in a lot of fights, especially if um, there's any kind of uh, grappling that takes place. Now, Allen, even though he came in as a, as a sporadic fighter, striker, and scrambler when he kind of came into the UFC, he, um, now he's kind of like a, you know, he, he likes to fight on the outside, which again, you're, not that that means everything, right? We saw Adesanya, who looked to be losing, playing inside of Pereira's kill zone. And he wasn't the one who got killed, right? It was Pereira that got killed inside his own kill zone. Uh, kind of twice almost, right? If you look at that 281 fight. So um, it's not an end-all, be-all. But yes, Allen does play there. He does play on the outside. And as far as takedown goes, I noticed that whether Allen, um, whether it's the only time Allen goes for him, it's kind of like Cody Garbrandt in the sense of he uses it to reset when he throws himself out of position, which is which is not as much anymore. Again, he's much more disciplined and, and his technique has been beautiful in a lot of instances quite frankly Allen's but when he does throw himself out of position because he's not beyond doing so he will parlay that into a takedown or when his opponent throws himself out of position like Sadiq rushes him a little too early Sadiq actually tries to do the same version of what Holloway does the knee in the right hand but he crowds himself in round one and that kind of leads to that first takedown right not able to hold Sadiq down not able to do anything meaningful don't expect him to do anything meaningful to Holloway but those are the instances for it to show up. If anybody kind of gets more meaningful takedowns, I actually think it might be Holloway, who has been incorporating that a lot more, along with more slicing elbows in the clinch. So not only is Holloway good about not crowding his own work, um, so I don't see Holloway making the same 
uh, mistakes as Sadiq. Can he be countered like Sadiq was? Sure. Yeah, Holloway's not defensively impervious. But do I see him making the same offensive mistakes of crowding as Sadiq? No, I don't. And uh, if you go back, I couldn't clip it because it was on ESPN, but I believe it's in round one. Well, it has to be in round one, right? Uh, but Cater, before he injures his knee, he actually uh, does the same thing that Sadiq tries. He does it. He's a little bit too long, so he doesn't crowd himself, but he's still able to, you know, raise the right knee and come down with the right hand like Holloway does. And he actually cracks Allen, who, thankfully for Allen's sake, was already kind of mid-motion, laterally moving and taking some off the punch. So his movement made it look worse, but he actually took a bit off the punch, Allen did. Nevertheless, um, these reads are there. We've seen people apply it to him, and we're going to see Max Holloway do it. Uh, except Max Holloway knows how to really pour it on with strikes without crowding himself. And if he does and or his volume forces Allen to be the one to close the distance and crowd, right? Uh, Holloway, back to his uh, the improvements that he actually has been making, if anything, has been his um, ground game slash more uh, willingness to mix that in. Uh, as well as more slicing elbows inside the clinch that he loves to do, right? So... Allen is really diligent about underhooks and looking to shuck and spin position. But I don't think you're going to control Holloway and much less meaningfully get anything out of it. So essentially, all you're probably going to be doing is giving, allowing him, you're trading underhooks and maybe some positional turns for eating a couple shots. And even if the gamble does pay off, what does it pay off to? What, a takedown that Holloway gets right back up from and you're not able to do anything off of? You know what I'm saying? So it's going to have to be a real perfect performance, a real, you know, Volkanovsky-esque performance of really just discipline and range management. But back to the previous third round point that I was building to and my sporadic ass ran off of is that Allen tends to slow down in these spots. He's only been scheduled for five rounds once. Um, he might have been scheduled in Cage Warriors. I don't believe so. Uh, it didn't doesn't show up on the tapology record. Sometimes that, that does fib. Sometimes it, there, there are title fights that don't show or the rounds for other organizations, not, not, not Cage Warriors in particular. Um, but he's only been scheduled for it once, and again, he's shown to flag in third rounds of fights that he's winning uh, and ends up winning, you know, um, and, and that's not good. Uh, that's, that's the round where Holloway turns on. And, you know, again, if you go back to the 0-3, right, the more relevant one is uh, UFC 236, Poirier, Holloway uh, 2, right? Um, I think that was UFC 236. Forgive me if it wasn't. But um, that one, and this is this is what this is going to be too. It's going to be, it's definitely going to be minutes versus moments, right? Um, Max, Hall Max Holloway is going to be winning the minutes, but can Allen win enough moments? And whether he's winning moments or really doing an absolute perfect performance and winning winning clear minutes as well, either way, I feel like it's got to be a perfect like performance, you know? Uh, Holloway was winning the minutes against Poi. That fight was deceptively close. I think he's he's clearly winning round two until he gets hurt, right? Uh, he wins round three, I think, on every judge's card. And round four, he's winning until he catches a knee that opens a cut. But again, it was a really bad cut and stuff, and the knee landed. But it was just a grazing knee. Again, what is, you know, Max Holloway actually goes on to win the majority of exchanges and actually steps up his aggression after that. How do we really judge that, right? Like, obviously, it's damage. But, you know, what kind of damage are we talking about? We'll talk about, you know, the round tree and Jacoby decision, I actually picked Roundtree there. That being said, I was very sympathetic to anybody who was on Jacoby, you know? Some real high-level judges that scored it the other way. And, you know, 
I, I could see how maybe they got swayed by the power, but again, just because I, I give respect to these judges doesn't mean I have to agree with them, right? Uh, doesn't mean we have to agree with each other, right? It's all it's all good. It's all gravy, man. And uh, I, I, I uh, we'll get to that fight, but but again, you know, like Jacoby was saying, is like, well, is it because you know uh, it created a, a you know a bruise and stuff? Like some people bruise easier, you know. I didn't show any signs of being rocked. I outlanded, was responding well in exchanges. It's one of those things. I'm not trying to make a Holloway argument. I didn't then. I'm not now, folks. Believe me. Um, I think I picked Max Holloway and stayed away from that fight. So there's no sore, sour feelings there. I'm just explaining that um, how close f fights were and how close this fight potentially could be. Um, that being said, again, I got to go with the more proven product, right? Holloway. Um Deep into the rounds, more volume, uh, cage positioning. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. The southpaw thing could be scary. You know, Allen does hit pretty decently hard. But again, are, are we really going to put Holloway out here? Um, it could be very competitive, plus sketchy judging. Maybe maybe I end up losing my bet here. But I ended up, part of me wanted to just do the over, right? But I think I got scared of... Um, it being stopped, whether it's, you know, what if, you know, Holloway starts, you know, maybe he's not going to get knocked out, but he's gotten some bad cuts over his time. What if Arnold Allen opens a bad cut and it's a cut stoppage, right? Um, you lose the over bet because there's a, there's a decent number on the over. Or more, more realistically, again, maybe I'm, uh, even despite somebody picking and playing Holloway, maybe the tentativeness and respect is all for naught because he really just goes out there and it's like a Calvin Cater-like performance, except it actually gets stopped, right? And it gets stopped before the the fifth round, and then you're out. Then you're out on your bet. So for me, it's either um, sack up and take a side, or, or or pass. Perhaps there's another hedge and mathematical equation you have that works better. Feel free to share and go with it. I'm not telling you what to do, but I ended up taking Holloway um, at minus uh, 177. What did he open as here? Open at minus 145, so I'm again I'm paying for chalk. I'm not even getting a discounted price in this case, uh, so I you know or anything there. Um, it's it, it's a little bit above my playable chalk line uh, that I that I prefer around the minus 150 range. But fuck it, man. I'm gonna go with the proven product. Just give me two units on Holloway, and uh, I I don't think I'm gonna play the decision straight up. I might if I'm doing well, which I'm not counting on. I don't I don't feel great again. I. I, I I had all the reason to feel great on the last one, and I still didn't count on doing great, right? So I'm just going to keep that same energy. Uh, but I am going to put Holloway by decision in my round robin. That'll be in my round robin, and I'm just going to have Holloway money line. I'm going to kick for coverage. I'm going to eat the price two units straight up. Um, any uh, Makato Kayagoku? I know it's open stance, so the outside low kick might not be there. Um yeah, not as much, and Allen doesn't uh, target the legs uh, that much. He targets the body a bit. He's good about mixing there, but he's he's not very consistent about targeting the uh, the legs. Uh, Ghost Phantom, whatever happens in this fight, uh, I just hope Holloway goes to the potty as much as possible. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's gonna be really. It's gonna be really uh really good for him. Pay some dividends. All right, next fight: Billy Billy Quarantillo, Billy Quarantine, Tampa. Buffalo, Billy Q. Sorry, you know I always got to do that for my guy. Uh, minus 175. Edson Barbosa plus 145. Um, yeah, man, this is this one is crazy because Billy Q 
uh, as much uh, improvements, they're usually offensive improvements he makes. I will say, even though he did make better defensive improvements in his last fight, and I believe he should because he also had eye corrective surgery, folks. He wasn't be able to see much, which explains a lot. Um, that being said, improvements, potential improvements aside, uh, the fact that Billy Quarantine is, is fighting in his prime right now, it's 34, you know, he's he's had a measured start with the miles and the time off he's had. You look at it, this is his time now. Whereas Barbosa has been post-prime and he's been able to put on women's post-prime, but he's definitely post-prime, right? Um, I hate going against the vet because as much as you might shit on me for going uh, for the vet and putting on money on the vet and losing on those bets, right? And many times you want to point to that. I will tell you, I'm way worse when I try to be like you guys, and not necessarily you guys, but the the normal MMA gamblers where you just have a stiffy. Like when you see an older person fighting, oh, I can't wait to fake this guy. Whenever I try to be that guy, not that I'm ever that guy or am as disrespectful as that proverbial guy, it doesn't matter. I eat shit so hard. So maybe it's one of those spots. But most of my bad luck betting Barbosa fights is when I bet on him. Betting against him? All the way back to Michael Johnson cashing a nice near, I think, plus 290 or something ticket I had back in the day. I've actually been really good about picking my spots for betting against Barbosa. Really good. Whether I'm picking big dogs, maybe slight favorites like Kevin Lee might have been. I'm not sure. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, I've been really good about picking those fights. You know, uh, Billy Quarantillo, sometimes, you know, sometimes they go wrong on that. I think I picked him, uh, you know, with the Gavin Tucker, but we've cashed so many Billy Quarantillo tickets and Quarantillo round three tickets. Um, I, I more than owe that guy a beer if I uh, if I ever uh, can repay that. Um, but, yeah, and then some. But, um, but yeah, man, um, it's, it's because it's pressure fighters, and Billy, B- Billy Quarantillo will relentlessly pressure. Um I know people bring up the Burgos fight because Billy Billy Quarantine did himself as far as people pointing out that his leg got really chewed up. In Quarantine's defense, and he accounts for it, you know, it, it's his fault. No excuses. But yeah, he, the reasoning, not an excuse, the reasoning, um, they missed game planned and went in not expecting Burgos to leg kick because he's mainly a boxing guy. He does have underrated kicks, so maybe they should have seen it, given it a little more credit. Again, not saying he's right. Neither is Billy. Billy's saying he's wrong, too. It's just his reasoning. Uh, was that, you know, didn't expect it. And then it doesn't take very many of those, as we see, to change the game, right? Um, and not just defense from, like, parrying punches and being able to have more eyes on punches and stuff that I saw in the Alec Hernandez's next fight. Again, after the eye surgery, corrective eye surgery, he also checks kicks really well. He actually looked like he hurt and, like, semi-stumbled Hernandez with a check. He was checking kicks so well. Um, not every kick, of course, who can, but again, like we're seeing immediate defensive improvements. Again, fighters, like we said with the interviews, cover your ears, guy who doesn't like us talking about interviews, because it's, oh, I just want the picks, bro. Um, you haven't figured out how to go to the end of the episode, uh, even though this is live right now. But yeah, um, yeah, like interviews, fighters can say whatever they want, but what are they saying and are they going out and showing it and do they have reason to go and show it? And all those boxes were checked. And even if we look prior to that, we go look at when he actually faced good kickers. Well, how did he game plan for them? Let's go to one of my favorite, one of the best t- tough Latam fighters, Gabriel Benitez, who's really always been underrated, uh, even though he was at the tail end of his career and was post-prime as well when Billy Quarantine fought him. That's why we catch that round three ticket, baby. Southpaw granted, Barbosa's orthodox, but again, what did, what did Billy Quarantine do? He didn't even waste as much time boxing up like he did with Shane Burgos. Um, he actually 
he actually just relentlessly went for takedowns all fight, right? And is Billy Quarantine a great takedown guy? No. Is he as good as Khabib, much less Kevin Lee? Of course not. Is he holding a candle to the strength, whether it's punching power to wrestling physicality to the general strength to any of those guys? Of course not. But you know what Billy Quarantine and Quarantillo does do? He doesn't take a fucking break. And as good, as better those guys are in all those categories than Billy Quarantine and as good as a guy like Khabib is in general, right? Those guys need their pockets of time to recover to where Barbosa was able to hit the spin kick against Khabib. Connor was able to win round three against Khabib, right? Um, Kevin Lee, of course, he's not a, you know, as, as you know, much as I love the guy, he's not a, uh, a poster child for cardio himself, right? The point is, those things come at a price. They need to recoup. Billy Quarantillo doesn't. And if Billy, because of that, and because of his grappling style, not just because Billy Quarantillo is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but because he's an aggressive motherfucker who goes for elbows and cuts guys open consistently, whether he's on top or bottom, can he get cut open himself too? Sure he can, because he's crazy. He's going for offense, but he's forcing work. He's not closing his guard like Edson is, which Edson, that, Edson didn't always do that. Edson used to actually have a real decent butterfly guard. That was part of his layered defense. It wasn't that he just had underrated takedown defense. Edson Barbosa had one of the better, uh, better, more as far as more practical uses of a butterfly guard at lightweight, and you know, especially when the divisions weren't going lower than that. Because Edson's been competing for that long since since back then, um, one of the better butterfly guards you could argue. Now he'll just close guard and retain. You know what I'm saying? Like Bryce Mitchell, I know that's his thing, but Bryce Mitchell's not very big. Um, neither is Billy Quarantine, but Billy Quarantine is bigger and stronger than Bryce. Bryce is just knows how to use his strength. He knows how to really connect and really flow with grappling spots. And he actually has really, really underrated timing on his takedowns, Bryce Mitchell does. Um, you know, and I know I picked against Bryce Mitchell in that fight, and I still was was, was going with Edson again. I'm really bad when I pick Edson. Knock on wood. Uh, good when I go against him. And I, I, I feel like Billy Quarantillo is going to have a much harder time taking him down than most people. It's not going to be easy. It probably He's going to have to fail a whole bunch. But if he gets him down... It may only take one to either finish the fight and or seriously change the complexion because Quarantillo's going to both make him work and do damage with whatever position he gets. And he's going to keep it going for as long as possible. He's not as good of a control guy as a Bryce Mitchell, but he's a very flexible scrambler and he's not going to make it easy. I don't know if you have to be that much better than Bryce Mitchell anyways with the way Barbosa chooses to guard, retain, and save his energy in this latter stage of his career down at this weight class. Furthermore, I don't know how explosive he's going to be feeling in the wrestling department or even maybe in the kick department considering he's coming off of a surgery. He was scheduled, he's been off for over a year, so he's returning from over a year layoff, which I know Edson's been fighting forever, so you could argue maybe it's good a guy gets a break, but it was a forced break. He didn't want this break. He's not used to this break. Furthermore, it wasn't just a break. He actually broke something in his knee. Not just one thing, according to Edson himself, three different things so he really he, he really was having trouble with that knee granted it's his right knee so maybe switch kicks won't hit billy which is good the one time billy was knocked out was from southpaw because billy he's got the wrestle boxing kind of uh kind of archetype right so he dips heavy to his low and when he was facing a big lightweight in michelle quinones who I, I don't know how he ever made featherweight i believe that regional fight was at lightweight billy q early in his career giant guy literally dips into the perfect head kick that would have knocked anybody out. Outside of that, Billy Q is really tough. He's really durable. 
and maybe that fast switch kick, which doesn't usually go to the head anyways for Edson. It usually goes to the body. Maybe not, right? Because this is right knee that got operated on. So maybe left ki left kicks will be suspect. But unfortunately for Billy, Edson probably can still kick with that hurt knee. So leg kicks are still going to be in play. Leg kicks and right hands are going to be in play for as long as this fight's standing. I am not denying that. Billy Quarantillo is going to take it up front. I am not denying that. But you guys know me, not just with Billy, but with my style of betting, I like these kind of archetypes where the guy that comes on late, the guy that brings the pace, he ha the guy that has to survive the storm to win. I really like those. Fortunately, the odds makers are on to us. We're no longer getting plus 2200s on Billy Quarantine round three like we were during the heart of the pandemic. Um, they're giving us measly numbers that really aren't sexy that I jumped on anyways, but plus 700 for round three, plus 575 for round two. Of course, you can get them at much better numbers. Uh, that I alluded to in my Action Network article. Of course, as you guys know, I'm not that guy. Not because I'm trying to be fucking some ultra hipster who wants to shoot himself in the own foot. No, I don't get access to the cool lines like, like most of you guys do. If I had the round three or decision lines, oh my God, I would have cleaned up and I at least would have for sure hit that Gilbert Burns bet, right? Oh, if I had the lines, y'all did. So enjoy it. But if you're wondering why I don't have it, um, that is that is why. Uh, so you can get it better out there. But because of that, I laid 20 quarter unit on each one to get over a unit in return. And, you know, to lay the chalk, I was like, oh, minus, I missed a minus 166 window. I ended up having to hit the next day at minus 171 because I didn't. Because, again, even though I kind of knew where I was going at 80 percent of the research, I'm such like an OCD nut. I got to go through the whole comb before I go give my bet. I got to do my work. You know, what if I see something that changes my mind? And of course, every time I do that. I lose an even better number on it. So uh, I ended up just, you know what? I went two units on max. Let me just go two units here. And I'm about to go two units on Quarantillo, right? And I'm like, I think, you know, minus 171. What am I getting? I'm only getting like 112, 120 bucks or something. You know, just over a unit if I win. I'm like, but Edson's tough, right? And what if he is able to survive the decision, right? Um, and this fight does go to decision, right? And Billy's tough. He's hard to finish. So even if he loses, it could go to decision. And we got bad judges, so Billy could lose it, go to decision, and maybe still get the win somehow, right? If if, if the judges, if, if they really overdo the local judges and we don't get the, the, the normal elite higher level judges, right? That could be a real possibility. So I decided to kick for coverage and lay the money line. But again, if I lay the money line and then I lose, I, I got a minus 50, right? Because quarter unit for each round profit goes to decision and we win. Um, I, I, I lose 50 there. Then I'm like, man, that's barely over a half a unit I'm profiting for a big play where I'm laying 2.5 exposed on, right? And I'm only going to maybe profit a half unit if this goes to decision. I don't like that. So this could be a mistake, folks. Probably is a mistake because I don't, I, don't, I don't have that. I don't, I, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to say it. Uh, maybe I will. Maybe I will get those that, that lucky bounce. I had some close decisions go my way this year for one. So that's that's crazy. I'm grateful. I'm not forgetting that. Maybe we'll get some more. Uh, who knows? But uh, but yeah, I wanted to make make it so that uh, I can at least pocket a unit if uh, Quarantillo wins by decision. So I ended up having to go up to 2.5 units on the money line. So I went 2.5 units. Um. So basically, if it goes to the decision, we'll clear over a unit accounting for paying for the missed props, right? We're good. Uh, if Quarantillo wins in round two, especially in round three, we're clearing over three units, right? We're risking three units to potentially win over three units 
or if he wins in round two, just under three units, or if he wins by decision, just over a unit. If he loses, wah, 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 minus three units. And as my bets stand now, pretty much going to have to hit every other bet just to break even or, or to profit, I should say. And it won't be by much. I don't like that. So I'm going to be looking for some more plus money to add. We'll get to that. Uh, perhaps in the next fight, Dustin Jacoby minus 165. Uh, Azamat Khanoff plus 140. You know, part of me was also like, do I really want to do two unit? I don't like doing two unit plays and like, Part of me was looking to see if the Jacoby line was going to keep going down. You know, you guys know me. I, I, I like Jacoby. Jacoby's done really well for me. Um, you know, I wanted to save some ammo for what I got to this fight. And when I got to this fight, boy, I ended up going the other way. I was like, why did I pick Roundtree, right? Um, again, I ended up being right. But you know me, man. I'm not, I'm not victory lapping like that was some confident fight to call. I'm not happy for people to lose much less people to lose on a bad beat come on if anybody's got to relate to that and keep the same energy to that i sure as shit better keep my same energy um that being said why did i pick roundtree well you go back to the quick picks and prognostications not only did he have a losing record against southpaws which is one and two now one and three i know we could argue that it is two and two right it should be she should be 500 against southpaws uh the thing was going back to those fights i know one of them's uh a grappling loss to a grapple-heavy fighter in Salter. So obviously you can throw the southpaw and the striking kind of out the window. Another was a submission loss to Kamozi early on in his UFC career over a decade ago in 2012. Uh, but Kamozi's not a submission guy, right? So you go back to watch that fight. When you go back to watch it, um, Jacoby's doing a lot of the shift stance striking stuff that he would later refine. You see a lot of it. You see a, a young, younger Mark Montoya in there still giving the same kind of messaging. Uh, really good messaging, by the way. Really like Mark Montoya in the corner. Hate picturing, picking against Factory X fighters, which is, you know, another setup to why I don't. I feel a bit surprised and uncomfortable here. Um, but left hands were those common culprits, and in fact, Kamozi ended up re eventually just rearranging Jacoby's nose with a left hand. Um, furthermore, whether we're talking about Pajeda and kickboxing with the left hook, of course, we can even leave him out of there. I went, just went back to watch all of Jacoby's career a couple times as I've broken him down, right, as I do with people. Um, and left hands, no matter the stance, were the common culprit. And Mirzakhanov's main shot, he's got a mean check right hook. He's got deceptive kicks and flexibility for a guy his size, but his left hand is his money shot. Um, <laughs> giggle, giggle. But yeah, so I was like, oh yeah. And I didn't pick Roundtree by decision. I picked him to catch him with a surprising um, first round knockout because J Jacoby always leaves room for those counters. The, the, he does that kind of step knee thing too where he lifts the knee and does it, but he, he almost does it too much, arguably. Like you see some... Glory or some Factory X fighters do. Not all Factory X. I actually feel like I see more Glory fighters do this. Like it was a Krauss thing and Krauss would maybe give it to a lot of his guys. Maybe that's where it comes from. Um, but like Jacoby almost does that too much. And when he was, when he's up on one foot, he allows for counters. And I remember calling out that specifically. And you saw that specifically and was noted specifically by Dom Cruz in commentary for that Jacoby Roundtree fight. Um, so I could see Mirzakhanov doing that here. And the fact that I keep picking Mirzakhanov since he's unproven in round three to lose by that time, and then he not only doesn't lose, but he keeps winning in round three. Well, it makes me hesitant to do that. That being said, I imagine Jacoby uh, has every all the motivation even more so to try to keep it away from the judges' scorecards. I imagine that'll be the messaging in the corner if this thing is tight. Uh, I also think Jacoby, if he's not getting taken down, can slice up Mirzakhanov bad with elbows and perhaps make him uh, eat a knee, but... J you know, Jacoby has also shown that he, despite his 
his uh, height can be neat as well. Mirza Khanoff, whether they're flying knees or counter knees, he actually has decent knees himself. Um, it's really risky. I actually ended up picking Mirza Khanoff here. We'll see. I, I feel like I'm all chalk, man. I hate it. I'm never like this. Um, so part of me wants to like pick one of these dogs I'm taking a shot on. I don't know if that's going to be Mirza Khanoff, but here's what I did do here. Um, I believe the under... What did it open at? Uh, yeah, it opened at minus 150. It's down to minus 120. Close enough to even money and still technically a discount, which is more than I can say for the other chalk that I'm unfortunately buying into this week. Um, so for that alone, I actually feel like this is a potent one for an under. Um, I feel like either guy is potent for a finish in any round. And when you do look at those round three KOs for Mirza Khanov, all of them come in the under 2.5 mark where not just did he clear the un under and he goes out and he usually finishes early in that third round when he does when he does run late. Um, it's that, especially as a guy who really broke those fights down and was on the other side, it was extra heartbreaking for me because I feel like if he lost those bursts and they didn't pay off, he was at that point, despite arguably winning these fights, even though he probably wasn't winning the Nunchuki we won, um, he would have started really gassing him down, you know. It was that. It was that really that that breaking point. So maybe my initial analysis is still right, and if it is still is, well, maybe we still got an even later layer chance of catching that under. Did think about putting a little bit on Mirza Khanoff by knockout, but uh, not only was it only like plus two seventy or plus two sixty five, which isn't too sexy, than the plus three hundreds, uh, which is what I at least would want. Um, I figure. If I am drawing blank so far, I only have two. Again, Quarantillo round three and Holloway by decision are going to be in my round robin, by the way. Um, I'm looking for other spots for that. So maybe I go Mirza Khanoff KO. I, I don't feel like investing in that, but I throw it in the round robin. So if it hits, I get a, I, I potentially set myself up for some bonus Skrilla there, right? We'll see. Tanner Bowser open as the favorite, but is now plus 110. Iwan Kutalaba. Minus 135. I'm curious where I see you end up on this fight. This fight feels like a no bet no matter who you pick. But again, I'm actually leaning toward Bozer. I don't want to speculate too much because uh, I want to get through the rest of this really fast and beat my bladder to the finish line and not run myself into trouble by speculating on fights that I have not run through the comb. Again, we saw that with the Rosas Jr. C-Lo, even though I was forefront about you guys then. I am now. Just I want to avoid that if possible. The point being, uh, I am leaning toward the Bozer side, and if I end up on that side, you know... Again, you got a guy who opened as the favorite and is now the dog. So if you are going to take a shot, maybe it's dog or pass. To be honest, we all should be passing on this fight. But I'm desperate for some plus money plays. And again, you'll see why when you see all the chalk I'm fucking eating this week. Um, so perhaps you can be sympathetic for my hopes. But again, doesn't matter what my hopes are. I let the tape kind of make the decision for me as best I can. Mute biases as best I can. We'll see where I end up. Same goes for the next fight. Chris Gutierrez, minus 225. Pedro Munoz, if uh, Michael Bisping is saying the name, plus 180. You know, of course, Pedro Munoz, the more proven veteran at plus money, catches my eye. But then I forget that Chris Gutierrez, outside of that first round to Cody Durden, which, again, I actually took a flyer on Cody Durden in that fight. So maybe not the craziest thing for someone like me. Outside of that, though, Pedro Munoz actually has some decent takedown defenses, quietly worked on it. A lot of those guys have been working with uh, high-level wrestlers over there that have been coming through the shop over there at Factory X Muay Thai. So it's not just kicks. It's not just counters. Um, you know, it's not just disciplined fighting from Gutierrez, you know. So uh, I'm still going to do my due diligence, but re refreshing on my notes, I actually, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with the favorite here. I don't necessarily feel like running the play Gutierrez at the price. I don't see an angle that jumps out to me. We'll see if 
there is one if it makes it anywhere. Maybe, maybe not. But the lean, Gutierrez. Same with the next fight. Uh, you have to check my quick picks and prognostications at Junkie on Fight Day. Hoffa Garcia is minus 275. Clay Guida, plus 210. We just did the Fight Night recap. Hope you guys enjoyed that up on the YouTube channel. Also on the podcast feed with my guy Brass Chuck. UFC Fight Night 13, of course. Guida got a win over Sammy Schiavo. Now, literally 15 fucking years later, he is still in the division. You know, he just keeps hanging around. Hanging, hanging, hanging around, as they say. Um, I don't think I'm going to beat my bladder on the finish line, so I'll finish this one, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, I'll, I'll take a quick pause for you guys. Um, I'll count forward on the timestamps. But, yeah, I'm probably leaning toward Hoffa Garcia, but, again, at that price, do I really want to play him? Not really. So I'm going to take a quick... Uh, there we go. Quick break, and uh, I'll be right back like in two seconds. Sorry, guys. Two seconds. All right, sorry about that. Back. <laughs> um, all right, uh, yeah, that that's the main card. We'll knock out the prelims. Gonna clean up the chat now that we finished the main card. Um, da -da -da -da. Hey, Kenton Wong in the house. Hi, Dan. What's your prediction for Holloway six strikes and takedowns? I don't know what they're listing on Prize Picks or anything, but um, if they're giving you a cheeky number, uh, like if they give you like a. Uh, if it's like a 1.5 on the takedowns or something, hit that. Uh, if it's a 2.5 and it's a good enough number, maybe 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 be cheeky. I don't I don't see it. Maybe over 2.5 is, is is really pushing it. That's probably where the smart line is. Significant strikes. Who knows? Um, a high high high. It's gonna be high. Um, I imagine. Maybe it's a lower volume fight, right? If it's closer and if the value you know is there, maybe you take it to be a lower volume fight with Allen's counters. But, yeah, it's hard to bet Holloway to not have a solid volume. Carlos Guillermo, Shane's dad versus Shane's son. <laughs> um, uh, Shane Burgos. Oh, yeah, Shane Burgos versus Shane's son. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, no, no, yeah. There, there is that MMA math too, right? Um, you know what's crazy, though? Edson Barbosa has only had three wins in the last six years. I know the Danny Ige fight could have very easily gone his way, believe me, not not denying that but it's funny technically he's only won three times in the last six years which is kind of insane Edson Barbosa there um James Young spinal uh Rio Susan Truesdale Jack Slack said that all you have to do against Edson Barbosa is just apply pressure on him um which is true both for wrestlers or strikers or wrestlers wanting to strike see Jamie Varner even back in the day um Rio Susan Truesdale continues he says, uh, since his switch left kick is fast but fails when pressure is applied. Opinion on that opinion? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And then even more so considering that his 
um, right knee, the pivot knee for that left kick is uh, the one that's coming back. I don't know how much explosion, you know, that, that's his rear leg too. I mean, how much explosion in general, you know what I'm saying? Like, look at Thiago Santos's career after he after he had the serious knee surgery. Um, and he wasn't even, he doesn't even have as many miles, as many years, or as deep into his career or UFC career as Barbosa. Neither did he have as many kickboxing fights. You know what I'm saying? Edson Barbosa's been in the UFC for like almost like 15 years or something like that or over that. But like he's also had like a slew of kickboxing fights and miles on him from way before that that are off the record. So something to keep in mind. Um, Ghost Phantom to parlay off Rio. Billy Q cannot stand at range like Dan Hooker did since Edson will just switch kick all day. Very true. That's actually one of the one of the times. I'm glad you brought that up. That was one of the times where I was actually miraculously wrong betting against Edson. I don't even think I bet against him to be honest. Or if I did, it must have been small. I just remember really beating myself up for picking against him because I was like, I can't believe I'm picking, you know. But again, it was just that classic, like, oh, I'm going to fade the over guy spot. And it did not go good for me as it usually doesn't. Rain Lamina, is the overhook butterfly getup better than the half guard underhook getup since you mentioned it for Billy Quarantillo? It is when you have a back taker, right? Uh, it's a much safer getup. Edson was really good about using that in conjunction with his back to the fence throughout his prime at lightweight, even in losses like the aforementioned Michael Johnson, who would mix in a takedown here and there in that fight, um, was able to get back to his feet with that technique. He doesn't really go for it. And again, Billy Quarantillo, not just a guy who will take your back and is a decent back taker and can finish with a submission from the back, but one of the few guys to get finished with strikes from the back. I'm not saying like, you know, BJ Penn, Joey Gilbert, where you have the guy belly down, body triangle, and you're flattened out and you're punching him. Obviously, those stoppages are common and should be stopped. I'm talking about where the guy can still move around. You look at that Gabriel Benitez fight, and he was just doing so much damage and slicing elbows that he forces that bad of optics that, you know, it's going to it's going to you know give him the round and possibly force a stop. Uh, David Sandine, Max is 0-3 against Southpaws in UFC. Max is going to have his Izzy moment this weekend. Again, that's what I'm betting on. So, again, taking inspiration from Izzy, right? Kenton W. Dan, the lines. Give Dan the lines. I know I can't get these lines from the price and all these other ones because of my IP over here in Vegas, uh, you know. Um, we ought to chip in and buy Dan a bedpan to keep under the desk. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love that. Via Amazon, of course. That's right. Use the link. I'll give you guys shouts and stuff for uh, all that stuff next week and, and the PayPal's. People have been donating um, uh, to Dan Tom MMA on the secure PayPal link at Dan Tom MMA and my link tree on Twitter and MixedMartialAnalyst.com that hosts this show with the Amazon and Onnit click-throughs that I will also shout out the next. But we're moving on to the prelims, baby. We got a... Uh, we got a... Uh, who we got here? <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, we got Bill Algio, minus 210. TJ Brown, plus 170. Uh, leaning toward the favorite here. Feels like uh, Bill Algio will take over as the fight goes on. But again, um, I didn't look into this one. I don't have any strong leans. And again, it's just more chalk. Uh, unless you're looking at a prop or particular method, which I do not have for you. Um, so nothing there. I did jump ahead to go down to this fight because it's one of the best fights on the card, obviously. Mateusz Nikolaou minus 225. Brandon Royville plus 180. Of course, Royville at plus money uh, in a fight that should be crazy. Like, I don't blame anybody for taking that shot. I believe my man Billy Ward. Shouts to Billy Ward of the Action Network. Another excellent guy you should be following there. At Psycho Ward 86. But I think if you type in Action or 
at Psycho Ward. You should pop up there. Um, he's on Royville, rooting for the Royville side. But, uh, you know, watching the more of the tape, I do like the Nikolaou side, but it really doesn't matter. The side I like more is the under. Now, I want to see what the under opened at. I got it again at that other number of a minus 120, the same I got the other one for. Opened at plus 160, so people jumped on. I definitely missed the value boat, but minus 120 still low enough. Put 1.2 units just like the other one. But honestly, I may change that to 1.5. Um, again, um, I feel like the uh, Nicolau, you know, I know it was a close fight that could have gone either way in his lone southpaw sample size against Manel Cap. Obviously, my rose colored glasses sided with Nicolau in a competitive fight sided with him a little less not that I still don't think he deserves to win or not that I still don't score it for him but I absolutely am sympathetic for the other side just because I won or my guy won doesn't mean I can't be sympathetic to the other side of course I am now cop has proven his worth since so uh, no shame to cop and you know again that should also be added props to Nikola because that regardless of what you think the fact that he was that competitive and had his moments looks even better at a guy being marked as the next title contender, perhaps being set up so with being matched up against Figueredo. Got to cry because I wanted Figgy on at 135. Oh, well. Um, big fan of Royville, but again, injuries have been keeping him out. Now, we got the shoulder thing fixed, but listening to his injury, listening to his body hold up, trying to make a quick turnaround. I know it was Askarov that didn't hold up for that withdrawal, but you listen to him talk about how he you know, wanted to keep see if his body held up and then the wrist gave out on him before trying to take that Albazi fight to stay active. And it's something that I said all the time, and I'm going to go look at his, his, his age here, but 5'9", flyweight, right? Um, you know, when you talk about tall guys for the division in these lower weight classes, particularly flyweight and bantamweight, um, it's not even just weight cut, can they make the weight, um... How does that affect their gas tank? That's what you usually point to. Oh, it's a big weight cut. Is he going to gas, right? Like, um, no, it's, it's it's durability. And when people do talk about durability, they'll be like, well, I talk about durability. I talk about the shin, which is true. And it's, 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 it's probably the most relevant and most poignant given the brain fluid part of that equation, right? No, I'm not even talking about that. Again, like with O'Malley and these other guys, I'm talking about their actual bones, like actual like them getting injured in fights, right? And these freak injuries. And and man, uh, Royville is definitely one of those guys, you know, even on, I believe on the regional scene. Um, well, actually on the regional scene, I believe he would be on the other end of it if I'm thinking of uh, a certain LFA flight, fight. But, but as he's gotten older, when you need to watch out, about age 30 and onward, well, he is 30 now. He's going to be a couple months. He's going to be uh, 31, right? It's about age 30 and onward where I start really watching these fighters that, again, Royville fits the bill of, making these big cuts. Now, Nicolau, you know, looks like he can be rocked at times. You could question his chin. I don't think it's out of a weight cut. And, again, these are usually good shots. When Manal Cop rocked him, um, one of the main times it was from, like, orthodox, and it was an uppercut for what that's worth because Manal Cop listed southpaw. But he will switch stances, and he did in that fight. Probably had his better moments from orthodox um, on this most recent rewatch. Um, whereas Nicolau had good moments from orthodox, but wasn't dissuaded from throwing leg kicks and good leg kicks, building off those leg kicks in the open stance. Again, back to jabbing in an open stance. Wasn't dissuaded from jabbing and hooking off of his jab in an open stance. Nicolau will also do that bait in. He'll bait guys in from both stances and do darting crosses, but he has a particularly mean changeup from southpaw where he's really accurate. And shout out to Connor Rebush, the southpaw killer, right? Uh, left hooks, left hands in general. You know, Masvidal Till from that changeup. 
um, uh, you know, or, or you know, Rockhold Bisping from the Orthodox left hook over the right southpaw shoulder. Um, southpaws don't see that coming. And Royville, for as fun as his offense is, he's not the most technically refined striker, especially from a defensive standpoint. Not trying to hate, just saying what it is. And I love these matchups because you're destined for action. You've got a, a high volume, aggressive fighter versus. Uh, a well-rounded, composed counter-striker. That's going to make for a really fun matchup. Um, and I believe that's going to really bring the under to life here. But I do think Nicolau is going to come out on top. I think it gets dangerous trying to choose a method. One of my houses, unfortunately not the house I round Robin in, otherwise I would choose Nicolau inside the distance. But I don't get inside the distance props in the house I round Robin in. But in the house that does offer it, it's like plus 200. And part of me is like... Oh, do I want to put like a unit on that? Because if I get it, I could, I could get three units from this fight. Or if I lose it and then Royville wins and, and gets the finish, then, you know, the under pays off what I use to pay for that um, prop. But I'm like, I'm already overexposed. Um, the under kind of gets everything. Why don't I just double down on the under, you know, and I would say maybe save something from the uh, Nicolau for the round robin. But then I'm going to have to choose, Parker. And I don't know, I, I would probably guess TKO because, again, um, Royville could be winning this fight and, and something could just break on him and then he loses by TKO, right? Um, Nicolau is showing he's not the type to sell out for submissions. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll get back up out of the guard from Matt Schnell. Uh, and when Matt Schnell turtles and is hurt, he doesn't jump on the back and take the choke. He continues punching. So if someone had a gun in my head, I'd probably say TKO for... Um, for uh, what do you call it, Matthias Nicolau? I'm gonna see what they're how they're pricing it and compare. Submission plus 600, TKO plus 450. Okay, so I'm not alone. You know, it, it, there is a slight more probability toward the TKO, but it's like again, do you really want to choose? And again, do I really want to lay more exposure? What if it goes to the distance? And now not only do I lose on my under, I lost on it. You know, like Nicolau could win. I could be on the right guy. My analysis could line up, and then now I'm out three units. Like yo. I'm already risking losing three units total with my quarantine exposure, right? Uh, Billy Quarantillo exposure. Like, let, let's not do that twice in the same damn card. So I think I'm going to avoid that. But what I'm tempted to do as I talk to you guys right now is put another 30 ducats to make it a 1.5 unit exposure play. That gives me 25. 125. And then, yeah, so that I want to do that. I'm a little more confident on this under than I am for the same price under. That's a light heavyweight fight, right? Uh, flyweight unders have been quiet. Gold mines for a lot of us. These are really proven products. So I'm a little more confident in it. Um, so maybe I'll add the 30 here live while I'm on the air with you guys. Place that. And if it hits, um, then at least it pays for my 1.2 unit exposure on the other one, right? Uh, it's kind of, you know, I want to hope that I hit one of these total plays, right? And then as far as the big two-unit chalk plays, I want to hope that I hit one of those. Uh, preferably the Corintello one, considering there's more attached as well as an extra half unit attached on face value. Um, I still may end up in the red if only one of those each hit, but that's essentially when, I make, when you make your bets, at least me being a realist, uh, not being a crazy luck guy or depending on crazy luck, um... I always expect to lose at least half my bets, and I try to fortify them to still have a winning night if I lose half my bets. So that's why I sound a little iffy. That's why I hate playing chalk in general, or too much chalk in general, as an unwritten rule, if you will. So I'm gonna add that. It's gonna make. We're gonna. I'm gonna make it a 1.5 unit exposure. I did that on the show. 
That's not in the house that I round robin in. It's in the account that I could use more. But I gotta give more and gamble more to get more. It's called gambling for a reason. And we are fucking gambling this week, folks. Alright, next fight. Um, Ed Herman plus 180. Zach, in your face is one. I'm just kidding. Zach Cummins plus <laughs> minus 225. Um, okay, this is the other dog. Uh, I'm on the dog here, Ed Herman. I don't know if I want to play him, though. Part of me wants to, especially, again, I'm on some ch two chalky totals. And I'm on two chalky money lines. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need some kind of wild big plus money here outside of the plus monies that I uh, involve myself in with the round robins. I need something here. It's like, you know, it's not the two to one that he initially opened as, right? I, I missed the boat there. The plus 210, much less the plus 200. But plus 180 is pretty damn close, right? What, 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 what are we getting on my, uh, my one hash here? Uh, plus 180 is pretty damn close. Um, yeah. You know, and it's going to be a competitive fight. It should be a close fight. It should be not just a competitive. It should be a close fight. Even though Ed Herman uh, lost on him on Metafield, no issues with the score card. Metafield got the more damaging moments every round, especially from round two on. It was real clear with the, the with the leg and that calf kick damage again. It doesn't take much, right? Uh, but Ed Herman was competitive. He sure as shit. Was if that sounds crazy, let me just hold the bill because even if you want to argue and split hairs, was he competitive? Close and competitive are different things. Close means the round can go either way. Competitive means you weren't completely blown out of the water. You had your moments. You were comporting yourself. You were never looking for ways out. It didn't look like you were on the verge of being stopped, even when you know you got hurt in moments. That's how I deem competitive. God forbid. Um, but the way people break down Ed Herman, it's ridiculous. Like, I get it, he's old and slow, but it's funny. People are like, did you know Ed Herman's old? Like, yes. But what's more funny than pointing out the obvious that he's old is pointing out that he's slow. Like, oh, you know, yeah, he's slow. Oh, I went back to watch his fight from 2019, and he was still slow. Like, you guys realize this guy's been fighting since, like, 2005, 2006 in the UFC, right? You guys realize that if you go back to those fights early in the UFC or even before... I don't know who needs to hear this, but Ed Herman was never a fast athlete. <laughs> he was always slow. Uh, Ed Herman needs to make it ugly to win this fight. Again, not saying you need to pick him, not saying you need to like him. I'm not even a crazy Ed Herman fan. It just, it's, it's the, the analysis always kind of blows me away, as reductive as it is. Newsflash. Ed Herman's always had to make it ugly and in the clinch. He kind of comes from the camp, Team Quest, that base, all their fucking fighting around the clinch. I kind of would guess a thing called osmosis would still exist, being the only Team Quest fighter still training and actively fighting there. I don't see how any of this is a surprise, folks. Also, he competes in divisions where you can still get wins like this. I know light heavyweight is more of an athlete division of the big men's division from middleweight to heavyweight. Yes, you do need more of that athletic speed and explosiveness and pop that Ed Herman, yes, clearly doesn't have. Um, But if we look at the common threads, it's either lights out grapplers who submitted him early on in his career before Ed Herman got his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and actually became quite crafty on the ground himself, right? And even then, those were like the Ronaldo Souza's, the Damian Mayas in their prime, right? Um, and ath again, athletes, right? Ronaldo Souza, especially in that, that equation, more than Maya. Uh, or strikers, it's lights out, knockout strikers who got to be early, got that athletic explosiveness. I hate to use that word, especially when we're talking about guys like Brunson and so on and so forth. But yes, like that's the southpaw. That's the guy who beat him. That's the guy who knocked him out. Um, John Volante, 
that was an ugly fight, granted, but that that probably should have went Ed Herman's way. You know, even John Vellante was like, uh, yeah, and his team was like, uh, yeah, you know, it's a you know, a pretty bad decision there. So if you take that out, like the dude's been winning way more than he's been losing, um, in a post prime career of again, newsflash, a guy who's already been slow. Uh, he's kind of lived in that slowness. So, um, again, if you want to pick against Ed Herman, that's completely fine. You want to pick against him being old, completely fine. But if you're going to say you're picking against him because he's slow, like it's some kind of fucking miraculous analysis you're providing, like I don't know what you've been watching, that you're only figuring this out now or assuming that it's something, some, some, somewhat of a recent development. And I bring that up not to defend Ed Herman. I didn't even play this yet. I might not play it. I want to. If I can't think of anything for my round robin, I'm definitely throwing Ed Herman just money line in the round robin because it's going to be close. We're going to have crazy judges. It's going to be a crazy fight. But, again, not only does Zach Cummings not really fit that bill um, of being a knockout puncher, although I will say Zach Cummings, he's quietly accrued um, some knockouts later on in his career if you look at look at the stats, which are wrong because one of his best knockouts, they don't even count against Trevin Jones. He does a really cool uh, combo that I like. It. It's probably janky, and you look stupid if you're like someone like me doing it, and maybe even Cummings, but Cummings pulls it off, and fucking badass for him for doing it. But he, uh, as a southpaw, which Cummings is, he throws a, a cross, and then he shifts and steps forward and throws a left hook into orthodox. I love it, right? And I actually I actually will do that on the bag, and as I come in the left hook in orthodox, I kind of do a jump shift. Like you'll see um, kind of um, Tyson, for lack of a better example. Uh, not really a jump shift, but like kind of a jump and it, it, uh, kind of like a little a little bit of a hop as you, you know, that left hook and it loads you for a, a right uppercut to the body or coming up to the head. Um, but he actually knocks down, oh no, Akhmadov actually, sorry, in the first round is Mario Akhmadov fight, actually in the loss, he actually scores a knockdown. But again, folks, su- surprise, surprise, I don't sit down, brace yourselves, Fight metric stats are actually wrong when it comes to an MMA fight. Holy shit! I know, I know. Yet people go out and fucking fucking list them like their na- like their second nature without actually doing the tape, without properly putting in context. Meanwhile, my ass going through putting things in proper context, doing the tape, putting it together in a digestible format. Still get idiots in my comments going, "What about the context?" Um. Anyways, but uh, but yeah, like uh, you know, he has quietly been doing better at the striking, but. <laughs> He's not a fast or explosive or a knockout artist or a dangerous first-round fighter. He's a slow starter himself. Um, Cummings particularly is going to be a slow starter coming off not just a giant near three-year layoff, but the biggest layoff of his career. Not only the biggest layoff of his career, coming off massive back injury. He wasn't sure he was going to be able to fight again. He wasn't even sure he was going to make it through camp. And again, the... the uh, he's fighting in his hometown. Last time he fought Kansas City, Missouri, he won. He's got a gym there. It's going to be such an amazing moment, and I'll be so happy for Zach Cummings. I have nothing against this guy. So happy for him if he wins. But that's a lot of pressure. You got all the pressure of the hometown stuff, all the tickets, people in your gym. It's going to be your retirement fight. You're putting that pressure in your retirement fight. Um, even though he's using it as motivation, as he should, he's bringing his kid for the first time, his daughter. That's going to be a first for him. He even admitted, if anything, that's going to be where his pressure comes from. He's going to be dealing with that. Um, again, just sounding like you weren't even expecting to make it through camp. This was just going to be your retirement fight, just showing up to get paid and going, you know what? I actually surprised myself, and I actually was able to get through the camp. Like I get that you're trying to talk about it and parlay a positive, but if we step back and look at what he's actually saying... Boy, that says a lot about someone's mentality. It does not sound like 
you know, I know he calls himself out and says, oh, you know, don't, don't do me wrong. I know that I'm not coming here to win the fight. Like, just the fact that that's in there and that he's not just it's in his head or a seed's planted. He is, like, doing the waltz with it and having dances and really exploring this idea and, and, and you know, and, and, and gaining it all. Like, all that's going to be really compounded. I know that's a bunch of narrative woo-woo, but, again, all that's going to be compounded with the layoff, the home thing. And again, the injury, he wasn't a high percentage wrestler, even though he was a better accoladed wrestler in college than Ed Herman was. He is a second degree black belt and compared to Ed Herman's first degree one. Like technically in the accolades, he's got an edge there. But A, size means something for a guy who did his best competition, even though he did fight at light heavyweight, although I think he hasn't fought there since MSV fight lost to the late great Ryan Jimmo. Um a guy who competes at welterweight, and again, even at his best against smaller guys uh, with his wrestling creds, he wasn't a really great takedown uh, practitioner. Um, low, low percentage, not the greatest setups on his shots. A better shot than you would expect, but again, Zach Cummings is not a lights-out athlete. He's an athlete in the sense that he's done sports all his life, but he's not really an athletic guy. And the last time we saw him was arguably the, the the last fight of his of his of his prime uh, to where now he's clearly post prime right he was 34 35 now he's 38 years old you know i know ed herman is 42 but cummins is 38 maybe even going to be 39 this year either way big layoff not just an injury like a potential changing injury like wrestlers don't get any better with age in the first place zach cummins wasn't a lights out takedown wrestler in the first place didn't have the stats not that the stats mean everything to support him in the first place but now you've got the back injury a bigger guy who can still wrestle and coaches used to wrestling on the regular that's how ed herman's been keeping busy he's wrestling in jujitsu is the strength of both the area that he lives in the gym that he is that he uh takes part in and as well as even though it's not as much as obviously high-level training partners as coaches as the Florida American top team, the Portland Satellite American top team, still some decent people. You look at the people that you're working with, the strengths are in the wrestling and jiu-jitsu there for what that's worth. And rounding this final point, even though I see Zach Cummings' style to the point of him not being of, of already being a slow starter, not being an athletic explosive guy, I think his style will age gracefully. But how much aging are we talking about? This guy's not even interested in fighting his out. His contract is probably going to be his retirement fight, right? And, and secondly, we don't know that until we see that. And just like a new camp needs an adjustment period, uh, layoffs and fighting as an old person for the first, an older person, a heavier person, a new weight class. Uh, he checks out all these boxes. He's going to be doing that for the first time. So again, we can call Ed Herman old. We can call him slow. But he's facing another old, slow guy. The difference is, Ed Herman, he can lose this fight, sure. But he's Bane. He's lived... He, he was born in the slowness. He was born in the ricketiness. He was born in the oldness. He loves fighting live crowds. He just... He gets up and does this stuff like it ain't no thing. It's just another day in the office for him. You know, he's close to his retirement, too, as he should be. But he don't give a fuck, man. This guy's a cowboy. He's coming to fight. So uh, he'll come to fight for your money. That's for dang sure if you want to take the dog shot. Maybe I'm talking myself into it here. I definitely could use uh, not more exposure. already too much exposure. But I could use some plus money on the docket. So don't be surprised if I end up playing Ed Herman. Probably should be a stay away fight if we're being honest. But the pick is Ed Herman there. Um, we'll blow through the rest of this fast. Um, Jillian Roberts minus 135. Piero Rodriguez plus 110. I think Piero opened... As the favorite, I'm going to lean toward her, probably pick her, but uh, not 
too interested in this fight. If I pick Piera, my heart will be with Rodriguez. I'm a big Jillian Robertson fan. Um, I've had bad luck playing her. Maybe that's why I'm staying away and leaning the other way, but we'll see. Uh, good luck to you if you're playing it. Uh, Daniel Zellhuber, minus 125. Lando Venata, plus 105. Um, line's getting tight. Let's see. It should be pretty close. I'm kind of I'm surprised Venata's not favored here. Uh, but uh, bias, admitted bias, I'm going to take Zellhuber. Um, I wasn't able to look too much into this fight. I uh, wasn't able to, uh, you know... Um, keep up too many tabs I've, been, I've only been recently getting back in the gym um, I know this kid's active and I, I've only heard good things but uh, not that I'm the type to share or seek inside information with y'all or anything like that's not my style obviously but yeah I haven't even been around to see what this kid's been doing um, to give you any kind of cool takes but I'm wishing him the best and I know my guy Eric will probably be in this corner so of course there's stated bias there and again bias in tow uh, I probably would be staying away from this fight anyways for what it's worth, but yes, there's a bit of bias, but I'll probably be into picking Zell Huber here. Uh, Bruno Brazil, minus 160, Denise Gomes, I have no clue, will probably lead to Brazil. Aaron Phillips listed Southpaw, but it won't matter because Gaston Milanos doesn't have UFC-level Southpaw experience, much less UFC-level experience, but he is one minus 190 over Aaron Phillips. I will take Milanos there, um, but again, not a fight I'm, I'm rushing to bet at the window or a fight I researched heavily. Jocelyn Edwards, plus 115, Lucy, Puddle of love for old school listeners. Lucy Puchlova. Lucy Puddle of love. I don't know where that came from, to be honest. Let's not think too much on it because it starts to get creepy. But uh, I will probably pick Jocelyn Edwards here. Uh, <laughs> no, not for other creepy reasons. But no, honestly, uh, you know, there's probably a little bit of bias there. Maybe she trains. She's been training a lot of extreme couture. A lot of people that I know, seeing her around. The point is, I'm seeing her putting in the work. Not sure what Puchlova's been up to. But it didn't look like she improved too much from what I remember in the last time when I had to rerun her through the comb on her return. Um, it'll probably be chaos. Probably not a fight. You should bet. All right. Going to clean up the chat and then recap my picks and plays. How do we do on time? Uh, we'll be under two hours at least. Um, <clears throat> all right. Ghost fan, when Roy Vault gets hit, his reaction is like those uh, wacky inflatable uh, arm men. Yeah, that's that is true. Choose, Parker, choose! Rios doesn't Truesdale. You know what's up. You know you already know the uh, the quotes uh, up in here. Um, who else we got? We got James Kendrick. Dan needs a VPN to get the cool lines. You know what? VPN and food apps, this is how much of a boomer I am. I'm not even kidding you. Maybe one time that I'm slipping my mind, I'm not trying to be dramatic. It sounds like I am. I have not successfully used a food app to deliver food once. It's always been like a girlfriend, a friend, or even a family member will do it before I will. Um, VPNs, none of them seem to work. I don't, I've tried a bunch of them, and I never noticed the difference. Uh, I'm still not allowed to do anything cool that I try to do. So I don't know what's going on, but Dan Tom's a boomer, and I need like a personal assistant here in Vegas. Um Though I'm not rich enough to, uh, don't have enough money to even uh, dream of that. Canton W, still mad at Herman and whoever the ref was for that fake nut shot. That would have been a KO. Absolutely. Herman's southpaw record, I believe, is uh, two and three, but it could easily be, what, one and four? Uh, or it's three and two, but it could easily be two and three um, because, you know, uh, it was a body shot knee, which is ironic because Herman is usually the one uh, kneeing people to the body and kneeing people in general, but he was the one that got it in that fight. He definitely got away with one, absolutely. Uh, sympathies to Mike Rodriguez and anybody who bet him there. Uh, last one, Rain Lamina. Do you see David Avilan at your gym? 
not that I know of by name, though that name sounds familiar. So uh, nothing pops to mind right now. I apologize for that rain lamina. Again, folks, like the video if you haven't. Um, five star again. I could if you, if you guys haven't given me five star ratings and reviews on iTunes, I could really appreciate it. Just open up your uh, iTunes app, please. Five star rating, five star review. I haven't gotten those in a while. I haven't asked for them in a while. I really could use them to help balance out the algorithm. It honestly does help. The likes, the subscribes, it really does help. I try not to pollute your feed. All the shares and the retweets. Again, you don't have to use any PayPal link or buy anything to support this show. But if you would like to, MixMarshallAnalyst.com is my website that supports this here show. Scroll down, slash look to, slash toggle to, slightly to the right. You will see Amazon and Onnit click-through banners if you do any shopping through those uh, godforsaken sites and you want to... Uh, you know, have a small percentage of your purchase at no extra cost to you be kicked back to this here program to help the podcast stay afloat. It is greatly welcome in that same place at mixedmarshallanalyst.com or where you can find me here at this little name tag with the creepy thumbs up I give at Dan Tom MMA on all social platforms. You will see my link tree, which has a secure PayPal link as well. Dan Tom MMA, I believe, is the address at PayPal there. If you have a good night and feel like reciprocating some back or just want to tip be kind and support the show. Really appreciate you guys all, new listeners. I try to keep it tight. I'm sorry. I really am trying. It's really tough with both me, this format, and everything that I have to get through and account for. Try my best. I hope I am not air quotes complaining or air quotes crying too much. I love you guys. Hopefully you love me for me. That doesn't mean I can't improve or accept criticisms. I'm trying my best to just trying my best to be better all around. So hopefully you guys... Um, appreciate that um da, 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 da. uh james kendrick lastly but not leastly said bigoted things offend you for me be labeled as a troll by ssmp i don't think people should be la labeling you as a troll sir everybody at uh, south china morning post is cool i'm sure uh yeah i'm sure your tone everybody's tone gets misunderstood a lot you know i don't expect anybody to like me you know, no one has to agree with me, but at the same time, I'm sure a lot of stuff I say is probably not meant to offend, and it does, so I'm, I'm apologetic there as well. I feel you, my man. All we can do is try to be better and uh, and move on. All right, recapping picks and plays and getting out of here. Taking Holloway over Allen. Taking Billy Quarantine, Billy Q, Tampa, Buffalo uh, over Barbosa. Taking Merzikonoff over Jacoby. Uh, taking... Leaning toward Bozer over Q to Lava. Check my quick picks and plays. Leaning Gutierrez over Petra Minas. Check my quick picks and plays over an MMA junkie at Danton MMA on fight day. Leaning toward Hafa Garcia over Clay Guida. Again, check my quick picks and prognostications at uh, MMA junkie on fight day. Uh, leaning toward Aljo on Brown. Again, check my final card picks that I tweet out at Danton MMA on Twitter on fight day. Taking Nicolau over Royville. Taking Herman over... Zach, in your face is where I'm going to be retiring, maybe. Cummings. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Taking, leaning toward Rodriguez over Robertson. We'll see. Check my picks on fight day. Uh, leaning biasly toward Zell Huber over Venata. We'll see. You know, check my picks uh, at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter on fight day. Leaning toward Brazil over Gomez. Check my picks again. Uh, Dan Tom MMA on fight day. Leaning toward Bolanos over Phillips. Again, check my picks on at Dan Tom MMA on fight day on Twitter. Leaning toward Edwards. Over Puddle of Love. <laughs> Again, check my picks on fight day. Uh, as of right now, um, I'm on Holloway. Uh, Holloway by decision. Uh, Holloway minus 177, two units. Quarantine. Quarantillo minus 171, 2.5 units. Quarantine round two, plus 575. 
quarter unit quarantine round three plus 700 quarter unit nico roy val which i just up to 1.5 units for the under point two or 2.5 rounds at minus 120 that's a 1.5 unit play uh took the same under 2.5 rounds at minus 120 for mirzakhanov and jacoby for 1.2 units for a hopefully a unit return uh in the round robin you will see holloway decision you will see quarantillo round three uh, I'm not sure what else you see. You might see Merzakhanov KO because that is the official pick and lean, albeit I'm not too confident, hence me not playing it straight up. Perhaps I'll throw it in the round robin if I can't think of anything better, and especially if I don't ante up the balls to play Ed Herman, finally get some plus money, get a damn dog on this docket, then you bet your ass you'll probably see Ed Herman fill out the round robin regardless if he makes a one-unit straight play. I can't afford to put much more. Already way more exposed than I should be, but hey, Bad bets cash all the time, and you can get sweep no matter how much work and how much justification you got. That's the game. It's luck either way. I'm grateful either way, and I'm wishing you luck either way. So best of luck, and always protect your nest.